Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to today. Uh, big win by the Bombers. Whooping their rivals, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, to get the weekend going. Of course, we had the U.S. Open happen yesterday. Tough loss for Canada last night to the United States in the final of the Nations Cup and all sorts of NHL offseason talk. Oh, not to mention a parade in Vegas and a few NHL players getting together at the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. Going to be a great show. Thanks for doing this. A little bit later on, we'll um, dive into the NHL offseason and many of the topics around the Winnipeg Jets with one of the best in the biz and our favorite to talk to, Dave Poulin of TSN's Hockey Panel. And then a little later on, Mike McIntyre, who was... uh, he was in Regina for the game. Usually we're talking mostly hockey with Mike, but I'll look forward to breaking down the Bombers' big win on Friday night as well as get Mike's thoughts on uh, everything that could be happening with the Jets over the course of the next couple of weeks. Don't forget, one week today is the day we'll begin our shows from the draft in Nashville. Looking forward to that. Make a point. Well, I mean, hopefully you join us every day, folks, but definitely next week with so much intrigue around Winnipeg of all NHL teams We'll have boots on the ground. We'll be doing shows live from Nashville for the entire week presented by our great partners over at Cool Bet Canada, who, by the way, have a bunch of new draft offerings up there. Very interesting one on Zach Benson. We'll touch on that later on in today's show. Uh, just before we get Remus in here, got to thank uh, all the sponsors that make this show happen. Assiniboia Downs back at the races tonight. Winnipeg Gold Eyes back at home tomorrow. Modern Man Aquatech. Manitoba Battery Canadian Club, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Nick and Nikki DQ, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, of course, our friends at Aikens Lake, and of course, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Great golf weekend, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, welcome to everybody in chat. Great to see you all. Hope you had a great one and a special Shout out to all of you dads. Hope Father's Day went great. Uh, obviously, a big shout out to my dad. Biggest fan of WST there is. Listening out to Victoria Beach and everyone else. Hopefully you had a great day. Speaking of dads, how was your Father's Day there, Michael Remus? Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, it was fine. Spent some quality family time all weekend. You know, it's tough. We got, got you know, my family, got in-laws as well so you got to make a whole weekend of it uh hitting the appropriate uh you know meals whatever dinner breakfast lunch but yeah it was solid weekend great weather great weather and yeah you know spent time with my kids as well so uh fun times yeah well listen it was a pretty nice day yesterday too uh, and listen, for golf buffs, it was a real treat. Um, although I know that those uh, Father's Day dinners or barbecues may sort of interfered with that final round of the U.S. Open. Um, but with it being so late out on the West Coast, I think even if you had dinner a little later on, you were still able to catch the back mm-hmm. nine. Wyndham Clark getting the win. I mean, what a <laughs> what a victory for him, holding off Rory McIlroy, who could just could not sink a putt. 
Scotty Scheffler up and down, had some more putting issues, and Ricky Fowler started off with a 62, finished with a 75, and unfortunately that wasn't enough. I'm sure we'll touch on that maybe a little bit more later on in the program, but uh, let's get to it. I mean, this weekend started off on a great note for Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans because it's always nice to beat up on the Riders, make it eight in a row as the Bombers continue their dominance over their Prairie rivals. And what an offensive show we saw from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Zach Caleros leading the way. A lot of quarterback running touchdowns, Remo, your favorite. Uh, well, you're not your favorite when it comes to fantasy football. Um, but the Bombers seem to be fantasy darlings right now. Zach Caleros is in mid-season form right now. The Bombers look great on both sides of the ball. And then you add in the electricity of Janarian Grant with arguably the greatest punt return I have ever seen uh, made for a pretty awesome Friday night for fans of the blue and gold. It was a bit tight there, Huss. It looked tight um, for two quarters. Bombers are able to pull away. Zach Laros, uh, no doubt that he is the best uh, QB in the CFL right now, going 23-31 for 288, two touchdowns. Also ran one in his first rushing touchdown, Huss, since 2016. And you talk about the Bombers' rough riders, riders rivalry. It hasn't been that lately. Eight straight for the Bombers over Saskatchewan. And, you know, for me, there was some concerns uh, going into the game about Dalton Schoen and his health. He hadn't practiced a couple days. And, uh, well, it looked pretty fine uh, last game on Friday. Uh, just like last year, eight catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Now, he wasn't on the field today, so I'm not sure if that's something that's going to be lingering all season. But, you know, week one, it was the Dembski show. I think Saskatchewan knew that, and they were like, hey, we got to cover Dembski. And then it's like, well, then you got to watch over Waltarski, who's uh, had a pretty pretty strong start, and Dalton Schoen, who's top receiver last year, uh, with 100, again, 145. Uh, so great all around for the Bombers. They didn't turn the ball over, Huss, which was a problem for them in week one, but you know, maybe gave up a bit too many of the big plays there on defense stuff to clean up, but hey, Two and zero after two weeks. I mean, it's pretty pretty good start. Oh, for sure. Uh, the, the bomber offense is. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't look much better right now. I mean, uh, Brady Oliveira is having a pretty good run in the run in the football. He did leave the game in the fourth quarter, and Johnny Augustine came in to sort of mop up. Um, Zach Caleros, as you mentioned, had that thirteen yard run and a touchdown. But really, it was just the composure of Zach Caleros and the way he was able to distribute the football. Dalton Schoen, as you mentioned, the star of the game from an offensive standpoint with eight receptions for 145 and a TD. Drew Wolitarski and uh, Zach Caleros got a chance to do a little air guitar in the end zone as uh, Drew got in there. He had 66 uh, yards on five catches. Dembski, five for 51. And... Uh, we can't forget about Carlton Agadosi, Remo, who uh, showed once again that uh, he couldn't be a real weapon for this club. It seems like when they need to you know, make something happen in the end zone, you can always just throw that post pattern to the tallest guy on the field and let him jump up and get it. Yeah, he did draw that uh, pass interference as well, which led to a one-yard plunge. So, uh, you know, no Kenny Lawler, uh, but it hasn't seemed to affect the Bombers at all, and their offense. Uh, I know what Brady Oliveira did get banged up. He's practicing today, so uh, I mean, the Bombers, they're they're awesome. They're great. Uh, what Sergio Castillo didn't you know 
made all his extra points, has five one for one field goals. Uh, I mean, look, should we start booking tickets to Hamilton already, or is it too early? Well, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, this team and this fan base expects to be there, and they should. Um, you know, they've been the class of the Canadian Football League for a number of years right now. They fell one point short in last year's championship game to prevent them from going three in a row. And I think it's very clear that literally to a man, players, coaches, management, um, you know, are on a bit of an unfinished finished business tour as we've talked about it right now. And they, they look to be like just the clear cut standard in the Canadian football league right now. And, you know, you mentioned Zach Caleros and how good he's looked right now, Reem. Here's a question for you. And for the chat, a little, why not question of the day early on in the show, Who's the number two quarterback in the Canadian Football League right now? Mm -hmm. I can tell you one thing. The gap is pretty big from the guy we got here in Winnipeg wearing number eight and the rest of the eight teams in the league. One guy who I didn't have on my list there um, after the weekend was Trevor Harris. But, I mean, you got to be impressed or coming into this, to this week, you know, 29-41, four, torching the Bombers for 405 yards, three touchdowns, the hat trick, all to uh, Sam Emelis. Uh, what, seven catches, 77 yards. Um, I have Vernon Adams Jr. as my number two. But one guy, he's only played one game, gave me PTSD from the Grey Cup yesterday. I know you were watching the U.S. Swag. Open, but there, there was one other game on, and I was dialed in. Uh, Toronto, the Grey Cup champions, they got their rings, man. I saw Andrew Harris post pictures of the rings on Instagram, and it's just like... Just hurts you looking at that. And uh, I mean, what a gut punch loss, just how well the Bombers played all year to have their worst game in the Grey Cup. But watching Chad Kelly yesterday uh, do it with his legs, three rushing touchdowns. Shout out to the Argos who used their starting quarterback as the goal line back. <laughs> Shout out to them. Shout out to, to them. know for our DK lineup, by yeah, the way. Great for business fantasy. This is open for next week. Week three is open because Bombers are playing on Thursday night. Yeah, great for fantasy. But Chad Kelly doing his legs as well as his arm. Five rushes for 20. So I'm curious to see how he does in his first full season here. That's Grey Cup champion Chad Kelly. Oh, it hurts even saying that, Hustler. But I, I got Vernon Adams right now as second QB. But I think he's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. We'll have to see if he can be consistent through the whole season. Um. Okay, so before we get off this bomber game, we have to talk about Janarian Grant's punt return. Yes. Like that was, I mean, you'd have to go through the replay, but I mean, basically every guy in green seemingly had a chance to tackle him. And ironically, the guy that missed the first tackle got back into the play and missed another one at the end. Uh, Grant is such a difference maker when he's on. And we did say we did see an uncharacteristic mistake from Grant last week, bobbling and fumbling that uh, that kick return that ended up going back to the two and ended up going in. But man, did he make a statement yesterday? Um, and, and listen, if the Bombers special teams are going to click like that while the offense and defense are going the way they are, um, <laughs> look out, rest of the Canadian Football League. But as I've said, and I'll throw this out in the chat as well. I mean, you know, where does that stand with the best that you've ever seen? SK, the punt return to end all punt returns. It's your boy Bruce, best return I've ever seen in the CFL. And the craziest thing about it, Remo, was that there was that mystery um, penalty that they gave to Dembski, who wasn't even on the field. 
here's the replay right now if you're with us live on YouTube. I mean, just one, two, three, four, five, six guys, <laughs> seven, <laughs> eight. And then he jukes around him. I mean, just absolutely but, magical. But I, I can't remember ever seeing a coach's challenge on an illegal block. And certainly one that worked the way that it did. And thank God, that would have been absolutely criminal if that one was taken off the board for a mystery call. There are certain reviews, Hess, where the play was so good, you just have to give him the touchdown. Like, you watch the replay. Like, what, there was nothing there. I think a guy, maybe it was the block in the back at the beginning where the guy kind of fell when he got juked out of his pants. I thought the last guy, I don't know like who got embarrassed the most on this play, but the last guy with a Janarian Grant who needed CPR from his teammate at, at the end. I mean, he must have been so tired and just made the guy um, look foolish. And he had another return off the missed field goal earlier. I mean, just change, completely changed the game where you, you know they have a chance to score Saskatchewan, bring it up 40 yards, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're on your way to scoring your own points. And this one, you know, it was a tight game. And, you know, you're up three, and... He's done it before, Huss, where they need a big play, and he steps up and makes it. And I remember there was some time when he was injured. Uh, was it like two years ago or last year? And this, you know, they just couldn't get anything going in the return game. And he does this frequently. He just He's a small guy, but he just has a very powerful arms, Huss, but also you know legs for, for running. But the stiff arm, I mean, how many guys did he get on this play? As we, play? I mean, how many times can you watch this? Uh, over and over again, to be honest. I mean, it's an absolute work of art. And he has to be the special teams player of the week this week when they announce the, uh, the, the stars, presumably, a little later on today. One other thing on the Canadian Football League, and we'll talk more specifically about the Bombers later on with Mike. We saw the very rare CFL shutout on the weekend, Reem, as the Elks go to BC and get bageled. Uh, well, first of all, I don't know if you know, LL Cool J was there at the uh, BC Lions home game. Uh, the new owner there, making it like a party atmosphere. Uh, love to see that. And I thought the BC Lions... Kim, Kim Mitchell, uh, halftime of Bombers Riders as well. That's it's a pretty pretty incredible halftime so far. The Darcy Oak Show in Winnipeg, which was absolutely amazing. Um, Kim Mitchell, it's a perfect bomber rider halftime, to be honest with you. I mean, that is, that just oozes Labor Day vibes and CFL vibes, but, uh, good on BC for, you know, bringing a, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a different act going on. Everyone knows LL Cool J and, uh, it sounded like people were really into it. Yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty awesome. And, you know, Vernon Adams Jr. I was wondering how would he go for Nathan Rourke? He's no Nathan Rourke. I don't think anyone is, but, uh, torching Edmonton. For 300 yards, one touchdown, did throw a pick. Uh, I, I think BC is the number two team in the West. Edmonton, they looked okay for most of the game against Saskatchewan, but the curse of the of the goal line stand where they weren't able to put it in, and now the season's, season's done. No, just kidding. But uh, Edmonton, it's been a rough couple of years for them and doesn't look getting much better. You don't see teams get shut out uh, too often, Hus, but it was the BC Lions home opener, the home crowd, LL Cool J made for a great recipe for uh, Lion football. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt about it. Um, and again, short week for the for the Bombers. They're on the practice field today, as we mentioned. Uh, you know, we'll get bombing on over the next couple of days. I know he did a little uh, practice uh, report. If you want to check that out on his Twitter, uh, but Brady Oliveira out there, limited. 
Dalton Schoen Limited, or, or I guess not a full participant in practice. Um, I believe Alden Darby out on the uh, defensive side of the ball. But we'll hear more from uh, the coaches after practice today. Really just two days on the field, and then the walkthrough, and then the BC Lions are here. Uh, albeit they've got well, you know, one less day of rest and are traveling, so another pretty good spot for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but no doubt about it, blue and gold. Uh, in the driver's seat right now. Although, hey, 2-0, and 2-0. and, oh, two and oh, We're going to have a team battle of undefeateds again this week. And um, looking forward to seeing uh, that game on Thursday night. Um, a, a lot to get, just quickly, and this is something outside of my area of expertise. But I am interested, Remus, from you, as well as everybody in chat. Did you watch the Canadian Grand Prix? Are people into Formula One? Uh, and the reason I bring this up, Reem, full disclosure, I have never really gotten into Formula One, but we all remember at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was at home for however long and cranking out Netflix, everyone got into that drive to survive. And I, I still can't believe how many people, contemporaries of mine, friends, really got into F1 and have continued to watch that show and now are big fans of F1. And I'll say this about that event out in Montreal. I mean, it does seem like it is the party weekend of the year, maybe in the entire country. Um, you know, it brings who's who out from Europe here, uh, definitely from the United States and around the country. Lots of NHL players as well. <laughs> um, but I am interested if people are really interested in that. Billick is in there. Billick, uh, are you guys all new F1 fans or have you been long? I'll say this. I've been into... I used to really like IndyCar when uh, Jacques Villeneuve was there. I can get into a NASCAR race every now and then. The one thing about F1, which kind of surprises me at how popular it is, is just how predictable it is. I mean, Verstappen wins every race. Like, is anybody surprised at how it happened? So I don't know. Maybe it's more to everything that is around the F1 race. But um, anyway, shout out to uh, everyone that enjoyed it. My pal Gabe Morenci was back in his hometown of Montreal getting fired up. And he had some great, uh, great content. But part of the other reason why I bring up the F1 is that there was a... How many times did you get that picture of uh, the uh, Cole Caulfield Instagram with PLD sent to you on uh, Sunday, Reem? Uh, it was posted in our uh, Discord server and I think it got tweeted at us a couple times and here it is Pierre-Luc Dubois on Cole Caulfield's Instagram so you got his tag up there there they are they're on a boat and there's another oh there's another picture as well has to check out this one is that Zegris at the back too yeah it's Cole Caulfield with now Habs on Reddit is all over this Cole Caulfield with Dubois DK Subban Jack Hughes Trevor Zegris so now it's been done Jack Hughes Trevor Zegras going to end up signing with Montreal, with Dubois. Done. That's what's going to happen, right? And here they all are at the table at, <laughs> F, at F1. I don't know. Like, Dubois lives in Montreal. I think it's a big thing for the city. I don't know if oh, his bank yeah. got him tickets or not us because it seems like his bank gets <laughs> him get tickets to, to the big events. Yeah, so uh, nice to see these guys. They weren't the only NHL players uh, having fun on the weekend, but uh, we're all, this is Dubois watch us, and this is where... <laughs> Where he was, right? This is the yeah, tabloid Dubois portion. Dubois drama update. Dubois drama update for the weekend. PLD enjoyed the Canadian Grand Prix and was Instagrammed on a boat with Cole Caulfield. Uh, and like I had some people go, what does this mean? I'm like, well, <laughs> what does this mean? Is it that these guys are probably flooring it right now for one of the most fun weekends of the year in Montreal? 
as far as anything to do with sort of trade between the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, like wake me up when there's a picture of Jeff Gorton and Kevin Day off in a boat from the weekend. Oh, <laughs> like that, that I think would be more important because as much as Dubois and Caulfield and hell, let's throw Zegras in the mix. He's been rumored to potentially be a, a piece moving forward, although I think he's going to be a centerpiece of the Ducks for a long time. We know Jack Hughes isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, it's it, 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 right now it's more about what the general managers are doing. Uh, and, and we're going to talk to Dave Poulin about that coming up in a few minutes uh, with, uh, you know, how things are working behind the scenes right now. Of course, Dave, you know, does great work, you know, on the NHL panel, but also spent quite a bit of time in NHL front offices. So to get his, in, uh, to get his uh, idea of exactly how things are working behind the scenes, Right now, for what is going to be a crazy couple of weeks for Kevin Sheveldayoff and his staff, looking forward to that coming up a little later on. What are your takeaways from Pierre-Luc Dubois on a boat with Cole Caulfield? Is this tampering? <laughs> Could there be some salary cap circumvention that needs to be investigated? Oh. Habs, lose a draft pick. Let's get in there, Bettman. Make it happen. Yes, yes he- and as Maul did mention... Interesting choice of the espresso martinis for the fellas in that picture as well. But uh, yeah, maybe, I thought... maybe it had been a late night, maybe it had, like, probably a late night, not a lot of sleep that weekend. If you can double up with kind of a martini as well as a coffee, maybe that's a well, uh, maybe that's a good move. How let's... about the uh, the captain hat on Cole Caulfield, Captain let's... Caulfield? Yeah, you need the captain hat. Let's do a deep dive on this table, Huss. I see a <laughs> open red stripe. Empty Evian bottles, got to stay hydrated. But look at this giant spill on the table. Got to <laughs> clean that up. Let's do a quick zoom in here on this spill. Oh, what a Is bunch of messy ears. Is espresso martinis? Did oh, a, an espresso martini get dumped on the table? Oh, oh someone's having a Caesar, too. There's yeah, a Caesar. Seize. I actually thought they were drinking, you know, espresso martini. I thought they were drinking red stripe out of a martini glass. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a whiff. I think that's a whiff on that one. Really. But, uh, yeah, you got to have someone's got to have a captain hat. He looks like Eric from Guess Who in that. <laughs> PK's feeling it right now. Then PK's I'm coming sure. back. He's going to sign with Montreal now. He's coming to retirement. <laughs> that's the big rumor. Well, the, we know one of the funny rumors is, and this was put out, um, geez, was it Elliot? Or, or again, it, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly who said this, but. Montreal was so enamored with Dubois when he was in the draft that they were going to offer the Edmonton Oilers P.K. Subban for the fourth pick in the draft. Um, unfortunately, the plan blew up when Yarmo Kekalainen picked Pierre-Luc Dubois third ahead of Jesse Pugliarvi, and obviously the, the Habs didn't have that same interest in Pugliarvi as they did in Dubois. So the Dubois drama saga continues. There wasn't any sort of big news. Um, you know, we heard a lot of interesting reports, particularly about the Los Angeles Kings towards the end of last week. Um, but it was a little quieter over the last couple of days. But I'll be honest, Rewa, I expect that to change very soon. And, you know, as far as the timelines on these deals, I think it's likely that the Dubois, much like the Truba trade happened a couple days in advance of the draft, I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to look to to finish that up. I mean, they just have so much to do. You have to get some clarity on that situation first. 
But as we've talked about, I mean, I think there's a lot of balls in the air because of the potential return from a Dubois trade, from a Hellebuck trade. Um, and for instance, if you're targeting a goaltender, is that coming back in the Hellebuck trade? Or is that maybe a piece you're getting from one of the other teams? Or are you looking to uh, go to July 1st and try and add some goaltending and not have that part of the return on either of those players? All that coming up, we'll kind of hit that with Mike McIntyre. We'll definitely hit that coming up with Dave Poulin uh, a little bit later on. Uh, Remo, just before we go, or do we want to do, uh, you know, why don't we save the Vegas the Vegas parade for the end of the show? Okay, I think, yeah, I think that's a good plan. We can play the clips. Or should we just show the picture of Gary Lawless with the cup? Maybe we should do that. Or do you want okay, to Okay, yeah, fi- fire it up, fire it up. I talked to Gary. He had not, he did not touch the cup on the night that they won. Uh, and he said he wanted to do it at some point where his wife and his daughter were there, was there, but they were all a part of the parade and what a parade it was. I had a couple friends that were in Vegas, just happened to be there and were sending me some pictures and, uh, hey, they showed out. But there it is. Gary Lawless, our pal lawman, along with Zach White, Zach White Cloud, finally getting to raise that Stanley Cup and... Uh, you know what? Happy for him. Happy for a lot of the Manitoba guys there. As much as I've uh, got a bone to pick with the Vegas Golden Knights for bouncing the Jets out of the playoffs on two separate occasions right now. Uh, but listen, Gary's a great friend of mine. We've been through a lot together. And uh, this obviously, in a lot of ways, was the goal when he went there. I mean, obviously, you want to get a great spot for you and your family. Great organization that's treated him very well. But I'm not sure that he'll have many more memorable days than the night they won the cup and especially that Saturday that they uh, got to parade that thing up and down the Las Vegas strip with thousands and thousands of Knights fans uh, celebrating the victory. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I was pumped to see Gary lift the cup there. All I wanted when they won was a picture of him lifting it. Didn't get it on the ice. I did see on LinkedIn, I think I followed the social media manager and there she posted a video of Mark Stone passing her the cup. But uh, Gary holding off until the parade for the, the lifting the cup moment. Congrats to Gary and the Vegas Gold Knights. And we need to share this picture. We're showing the picture for the podcast listeners, but it is on our Instagram and our Twitter and Facebook if you want to follow us on those as well. A lot of video content earlier. We showed the Jernarian Grant and the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois Montreal pictures. So uh, <laughs> podcast listeners, maybe uh, hop on here or... Check it yeah. out on social media. Today's a good day to check out the YouTube. And uh, by the way, if you're popping by the YouTube for the first time or you're making a plan, make sure to hit that red subscribe button, especially as we head into next week in Nashville because uh, I guess there's the potential where we may go live at another time. Another good reason to throw your notifications on. Um, but we'll also be cranking out some additional content, I'm sure, outside of show hours that will for sure be on our YouTube channel uh, as well as some of our other socials. So uh, at Sports Talk WPG, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those stuff, and, uh, of course, YouTube as well. Um, And by the way, for those of you that are with us, we've got 353 and only 81 likes. Give us a thumbs up if you wouldn't mind. certainly helps us spread the channel. All right, we're going to hook up with Dave Poulin in just a second. And then Mike McIntyre with a little combo Jets and Bombers segment after he was in Regina on Friday night for the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, but do have to thank a few sponsors that make things happen. You know, I was out fishing on the weekend. I think I got bit by a spider or something. I've got a major issue on my lower right leg. That's not the issue, though. Uh, what is the issue is that I was out with a uh, friend of mine who needed a, ba- a battery for his boat. 
and uh well, this was the week before, and then found out about the great deals over at Manitoba Battery and the boat battery blowout, and uh, ended up getting hooked up, and uh, man, we had a great day out on the water, so shout out to Mo. If you do need a, a battery, uh, the boat battery blowout sale finished up on Saturday, uh, but you might still be able to squeeze a great deal from Donnie in. Now, the bottom line is the one thing you know when you're dealing with Manitoba Battery, and whether it is for your boat, your ATV, uh, lawn tractors, anything that'll help you get through the summer. You'll be shopping local. You'll get the best price in town. And it doesn't get much any more convenient than Manitoba Battery because they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in town. Your best bet is to check them out online at manitobabattery.com for everything that they've got in stock. Um, or give them a call or pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. Uh, you'll save money on the big box stores. You'll save time. You'll be shopping local. It's a win-win for everyone. Um, how's the uh, lids looking, fellas? Modern man barbershops now with eight Winnipeg locations ready for you with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. And, of course, Modern Man Barbershop also had the newest locations, Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Um, if you would like to book an appointment in advance, just head on over to modernmanbarber.com and book your look. And make sure to follow them on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barbershops. Just had a great Father's Day contest and much more content and opportunities to win at their Instagram page as well. Uh, we got a hot week coming up. I think we're pushing 33, 34 tomorrow. Uh, might be a good time to make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. The Aquatech team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech is ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And, uh, well, a great weekend is it was. I'm sure a few of you enjoyed a little bit of Canadian, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. But right now in summer, is there anything better than those pre-mixed Canadian Club and ginger ale cocktails? I'm not sure. Good news is, Thursday night, you'll be able to get them throughout IG Field, as of course Canadian Club's the official spirit and sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But right now, you can get CC and Ginger in 473 milliliter cans and in six packs at Manitoba Liquor Marts and, of course, your favorite beer vendor as well. Um, all right, Mike McIntyre coming up in a bit, but with everything going on around the National Hockey League heading into next week, we figured it would be a great time to catch up with Dave Poulin of TSN for his thoughts on uh, – the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and uh, maybe a little golf too. Let's welcome in Dave. Well, a belated happy Father's Day. How was your weekend? Thank you, Andrew. Excellent weekend. Um, you know, my girls are big girls and far away, but great calls with them. Did have a really funny call. Um, one of the identical twins called and then the other one chose the exact same moment to call. Like, and they're in Chicago and Philadelphia and like not, planned or anything but by the way they're identical twins and so then it got even funnier because the first one then connected it three ways and it was facetime then they realized one of them had just got her hair cut and they had bought the exact same glasses <laughs> so they looked identical again 
these flashbacks to childhood when you were hoping you got the right one, right? I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated about things like that with twins. And we saw it always with the Sedins. Like it, I mean, it was like they shared a brain. And then you hear stories like this all the time. I mean, just random happenstances of identical twins doing the exact same thing or uh, ending up, in your case, uh, getting the same frames. Well, then you're, you're a third party of the conversation at that point, Andrew, because they start giggling with each other and you are so luggage, right? You're just like, sure, right, you're moved. But when they, they played high school golf and they started in sixth grade and they played and took lessons and everything. And people ask me why I'm such a good follower of the golf ball on the course. Like if I'm on the tee, I know everybody's ball lands. And they're like, why, why do you follow it so closely? And I said, look, when I played with my twins, the minute they hit the ball, they started to talk. So if I didn't watch where the ball went, at least 20 balls around. So uh, they brought lots of uh, joy to my life and had great conversations with all three of them. And, and it was fun because I played a little golf event in the morning. And then we had lunch afterwards on the patio at the club. And everyone was waiting for their dad call. And so it was not impolite to leave the table, you know, getting their dad calls from all over the countries and all over North America. You want, you know, one call came in from Europe, their kid, their son was in Greece and another one came in from California. It was just funny to watch how proud you are as a dad. It was very cool. Well, I hope you and all the dads out there had a great weekend, especially a great father's day. Um, you mentioned golf just before we get into hockey. Uh, what did you think of that U.S. Open, the tournament overall and the final round? Well, brilliant. And, you know, playing a course, L.A. Country Club, that I've never had the opportunity to play, but by all accounts is as exclusive a country club. There was a rule there um, back in the day when you played as a guest, you couldn't tell people about it. Like you weren't allowed to tell people about it. And they, <laughs> yeah, you weren't. And, or you weren't invited back. And they prided themselves on like no movie stars. In fact, they talked about they did let a movie star join, but it was only after he became president of the United States, and that was Ronald Reagan. And, <laughs> and so they just prided themselves on being just special and exclusive. And another, you know, famous house that bordered that course was the Playboy Mansion. And Hugh Hefner was never allowed to join. He had this place on the 14th hole. And and he was never invited or allowed to join. And so kind of a cool course. I'm not sure the pros loved it. It had some quirky holes when you've got an 81-yard hole for those guys. It was amazing. And then a 290-yard par three. Um, the most impressive thing is how tight they get down the stretch. Like, it was almost painful at the end watching Wyndham Clark, like, it was getting down to the end, and it was like, can he even hit the ball? And, you know, we get nervous in our own little, I mean, first of all, we get nervous in the driving range sometimes because nine guys are watching and chirping you. But, boy, oh, boy, you know, when it comes down to it, he came through, and very impressive win for Wyndham Clark. I mean, if only Rory McIlroy could have sank a putt or two. I know. We might be having a different conversation and uh, tougher Ricky Fowler. Right? We have a good day putting. We're like, man, we had a good day putting. You know, you think of Ricky Fowler, he shoots 62 on Thursday, right? Like, come on, 62, and then he shoots a 75. So his 13-shot variance, Andrew, take his skill level and your skill level. If he's got a 13-shot variance from Thursday to Sunday, what's your variance? 
Well, I I shoot 120 on that course the first time, and I'm probably with the multiplier in and around 145 or 150 in the yeah, final round. That's a fair assessment. In reality. <laughs> uh, well, it was a, I mean, listen, it looked great on TV. It was great to get some fans there a little later on. But uh, uh, in the books, another major, another move on to the Open Championship. Dave, let's talk about uh, the latest we got a week away from our shows down in Nashville for the NHL draft and it really does seem now that the cup has been handed out oh, quite a parade yesterday or on the weekend by the way in Vegas. William Carlson it was quite a parade <laughs> Don't tell hey listen they earned it you know you win the Stanley Cup let her rip no issues with that but um this weekend or this week in particular the preparations for the draft a lot of it is on the scouting side but for a team like the Winnipeg Jets, there are so many moving parts with the potential assets that could be on the move. Give us an idea, if you can, leaning on your experience in an NHL front office, as to what this week is like for Kevin Dayoff and uh, what's happening behind the scenes right now as they get ready to make some pretty big decisions for their franchise. This is final exams, and except all your courses are in the same semester, and and things you haven't studied for a while are back they're going to be a final as well it is about a great deal of homework your pro scouts are heavily involved and that's an unusual statement to make around the draft i mean pro scouts you know your director of pro scouting would be at the draft but generally pro scouts wouldn't go to a draft it'd be your amateur scouts but the pro side for winnipeg right now has to be so involved because of the potential moves that could be made and communication is critical. And I've talked to you about this before with some of the deals that have been made. And go back to the Truba deal, when the combination of your pro and amateur scouts have to be maximized to pull a Neil Pionk out of New York at that point. Because you've got to be going back to your amateur guys and saying, tell me about his college days, tell me what he brings. And then you're able to make a terrific trade because you're combining the coordination and communication between your amateur and pro sides, um, not unlike the Morgan Barron trade for a call because, you know, nobody knew about Morgan Barron and now it looks like you got a pretty good hockey player. But it's all about communication. You haven't quite finished your amateur work yet. For instance, you haven't had an opportunity to talk to Meechkov yet in all likelihood. And, but you may want more interviews, you know, last year with a, um, a Rutger McGroarty and, and you might say, okay, we want to interview. And I'm thinking of my last draft was 2014. And we wanted to talk to Willie Nylander again. We wanted to talk to Nikolai Ehlers again. Um, we wanted to talk to Anthony Nance again. And, you know, because you'd had, when you do your interviews during the year, they fall at different times of the year, Andrew. And, you know, according to availability as you build your book. So maybe you haven't talked to somebody in three months and and, you know, when someone has torn it up or played really well or struggled and you want to revisit that issue. And for us, it basically came down to Nylander or Ehlers. And we wanted a chance to revisit those situations and just get more comfortable. And, and it was it was that close right down to the final hour. So lots of homework to be done still on the amateur side and the pro side. You have to decide with your group which direction you're moving it. And we know about players stepping forward going into their final year. Pierre-Luc Dubois does not have a contract right now. Um, Connor Hellebuck, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley all going into their final years. So those are um, conversation points for sure. 
And but you have to continue your conversations with the other teams to get the the barometer of what everybody else is doing. And so it's a ton of phone time for Kevin, uh, for Zinger right now, for sure. Craig Heisinger plays a big role in that. Um, for Larry as well to to jump into it and and sometimes you'll say, okay, you take this group, you take this group. Everybody has their own connection points, even down to free agency on the first. You know, you've got different agents that guys have relationships with. So I can't stress how much communication has to be going on right now for Winnipeg. Well, and that's something that, I mean, I think we've all assumed that is happening behind the scenes that, you know, there's plenty of calls and the phones are probably plugged in because of how much they're getting in worked all day. Um, but Dave, when we're talking about significant trades like this, for instance, a Dubois or a Hellebuck, how long do these trades over? I mean, I guess sometimes something just falls in your lap and it happens, but I'd imagine the majority of these take a long time to come together. I mean, we're talking about days and weeks even of discussions to get closer to that finish line and a completed deal. Those conversations are not starting this week, Andrew. They're being continued this week. If someone's expressed an interest, if you're another general manager and you have any interest in some of the players we're talking about, you've had preliminary conversations and you've arguably had multiple conversations about what might be on the table on your side, what the cost might be, and then you've got to weigh those off against each other. And and then someone may pop out of nowhere and you say, well, wait a second, you know, we didn't realize that you were that serious about moving, you know, both Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois, for example. And we have a high level of interest. And, and you know, there's teams out there and there's always speculation. It's so hard to even drill down on any sort of speculation because you don't know who favors whom. You know, you've had conversations, but I'm going to give you an example. When I was working in Anaheim, Andrew, we made a trade and Bob Bob Murray was a general manager. Or, or it might have been when Murph was number two there. I just remember making a trade for an American Hockey League player who's like 27 or 28 years old. And I remember saying, okay, I don't know him well, Murph. I was coming out of the college game. You know, what's up with that? He said, oh, I've loved that kid since he was 18. I'm like, seriously? He's like 28. And he said, oh, I don't think he's got a chance. <laughs> so you don't know who has crushes on people, right? And so, you know, maybe, maybe the players we're talking about have never been available before. Maybe... Someone comes back into play that lost out on Pierre-Luc Dubois when he was coming out of Columbus. That's a very real possibility, you know, because a lot of people did a lot of homework on that player a couple of years ago um, when he ended up in Winnipeg on the Patrick Liney deal. So things like that, you have no idea about. This could go back to somebody who felt they should have drafted Connor Hellebuck in the third round instead of losing to Winnipeg in the fifth round, you know? So lots of... Uh, Lots of different angles, and you've got to weigh everything. And I can remember being in a room, and I actually like this, the physical part of this um, with Anaheim. It was at the trade deadline when we ended up waiting till the summer to trade Chris Pronger. But we had, we were in a suite in a hotel room, um, and it was, and quite frankly, I was, I was still a part-time scout, but included and Rick Patterson would have been there. Um, David Besigio would have been there. Murph, um, amateur scouting, small group. And we had big sheets on the wall with the offers that were, we had, but literally hanging like artwork. 
in a big hotel on the wall. Um, so there's different ways to do it. I like I like having the physical aspect of that. Everybody's got their laptops and computers now. We understand that, but I like having a piece of paper on the wall that said, so maybe there's maybe there's a really cool, great big empty room somewhere. And Winnipeg has multiple big sheets of paper hanging on the wall. And, you know, you can just see them sitting in the middle musing and, and deciding what offer fits the Winnipeg Jets the best. Well, I hope it's a big room with big walls if the Winnipeg Jets are in that situation right now. I, yes. I mean, and I want a ladder. You got to get up. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's speak about a few of those situations right now. And last weekend was really interesting. I mean, you know, we'd heard a couple weeks ago that report from, I believe it was Arpin in the Athletic, that Pat Brisson was going to be involved to try to move this forward. Dubois was not planning on coming back to Winnipeg, even with the one year left of team control. They were open to a sign and trade, and it was five to six teams, not just the Montreal Canadiens that many people has been led to believe. Um, Dave, you know, based on all that that we know, what did um, how did you take the uh, rumors that the LA Kings might be t- p- uh, potentially making a a big push at Pierre Luc Dubois? And how does that resonate within the front office of the Montreal Canadiens, who, fairly or unfairly, maybe thought that they would have gotten Dubois at a discount? Let's start at the very front end of this conversation, uh, and that Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't have a no-move contract, a no-trade clause. None of those were available to him. He's He hasn't attained seven years in the league yet, so he has none of those situations available. And last Sunday, so a week ago Sunday, my article was about the in the Star was about the players taking control of their own situations. And no better example than right in Toronto with Austin Matthews when he signed a five-year deal. So he's coming out now. He does on July 1st have a no full no move contract kicking in. He doesn't have like he doesn't have that ability yet. He has a year left, but it's the Matthew Kachuk rule about if you indicate to the team that you won't be resigning, the team can maximize their return value by operating ahead of schedule. So what you're doing is you've got your hands on the clock if you're Pat Brisson and Pierre-Luc Dubois. You've literally got your hands on the clock and you're turning the calendar up one year. And you're taking control of the situation one year before you're technically allowed to do it on the collective bargaining agreement. That's the power of a good player. I think you're going to see it more and more. I think you're going to see shorter-term contracts signed because players, I mean, you know, four-plus years ago now, Austin Matthews could have signed an eight-year deal. That's pretty tempting for a young man, and yet he chose to sign a five-year deal, put himself back into the market with the risk of injury, the risk of, you know, so you think about, okay, well, who wouldn't do that? Okay, you know, let's look at the number two overall pick in the draft, Nolan Patrick. You think of the risk factor. Think of what can happen from the injury standpoint. None of this is guaranteed. Everyone assumes that it's guaranteed and the players are in power. They may be in power, but they're not guaranteed. They're taking a risk as well. And and you will see teams moving forward. And some of this, Andrew, should be hedged on Vegas' success. And and they'll clean their sheets. And they'll, they'll clean their salary sheets. And that's what's happening. And you look at Carolina, they don't have, I think they have maybe four guys that go out past two years. So, you know, they're getting essentially a restart right now if they choose to do it. And I think Carolina 
could be an interesting place for one of the Jets to land. Who looking for more scoring? Montreal, that was the early rumor with Pierre-Luc Dubois. They've got a bevy of young players that they've built up assets. And, you know, and so they've got weaponry for sure. L.A. does as well. L.A. started to build their chest ahead of when Montreal did. And, you know, they've got some interesting players in their pipeline, obviously. You know, the first one that comes to mind, the obvious one, if you're going to trade a big centerman to L.A. is Quentin Byfield you know, who was number two overall. But there's other players in their system that maybe you could get uh, an Alex Turcotte included. You know, he was number five overall a couple of years ago, and he's been in the minors. He's young. So there's some interesting pieces in L.A. And if you're L.A., you thought you had a pretty nice matchup to play against the perennial two-headed monster in Edmonton, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't, you know, your, your combination of Kopitar and, and Kopitar has one year left on his deal, so they can absorb more of a Pierre-Luc Dubois moving forward type of contract. Um, but there are, there, you know, we're just picking a couple of teams off that we've heard rumored to be involved. I think Carolina's going to be a player. Let me let me throw a, a team into the mix totally of my own accord because I have that privilege with you, correct? Uh, what are the Boston Bruins going to do at center, Andrew? What are the Boston Bruins going to do if Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, in fact, are both done? I hey. thought that Boston could be a landing spot for Dubois or for Shifley. And Dubois, in particular, kind of following the footsteps of another French superstar. I, I mean, as I said, maybe selfishly, because I think a lot of people in Winnipeg have thought that the Jets are getting a raw deal from Montreal. He wants to go to Montreal. They're going to leave it. How juicy would that be? Oh, no, not going to Montreal, signing an eight-year deal with the Boston Bruins, and then being a pain in the ass for the house for the next eight seasons in the NHL. Interesting way to use your leverage. Um, certainly. You know, there, there's also, I know there's been speculation on Blake Wheeler too, with one year left and the place that, and I believe I mentioned it to you a year ago um, on this show that would be of interest that I would be picking up the phone calling is Minnesota, you know, Minnesota native, um, huge salary cap issues with the Parisi and Suter buyouts, those are massive, massive hits to their cap situation. I think we're talking 12 to $14 million for a couple more years. So would you be interested in bringing the quality veteran like Blake Wheeler back for a year? And if you're Winnipeg, you absorb some of that cap hit. You know, if you take that $8 million cap hit and cut that in half um, and still get the benefit of the money. So I think you have to be creative in the way you look at it. You have to if you're Billy Garen, for sure, because you're strapped for a couple of years. But also if you're Kevin Dayoff, you know, there are unique landing places for some of these players, I think, because of the quality of the careers that they have. Uh, Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dave, I, I want to get back to the Dubois situation for a second, and in particular ask you about Pat Brisson, uh, because he's one of the most well-known and respected agents in the game. And he apparently is going to be someone involved in brokering this deal. How does that work? Do you have any experience with agents brokering deals? And uh, I mean, what's the fine line between getting the best spot for your client, but also helping create a deal that makes sense for a team like the Winnipeg Jets that's probably not too pleased they're being forced to trade him in the first place? It is no different from free agency. It's just accelerated. It's accelerated ahead of free agency. So I think it's some of the conversations I would have had on July 1st. And, you know, and, and they shop through their shopping list and they, 
you know, you know, you have interest, they have interest in you. You go through the conversations, you bring your price point, you bring your terms. And, and this is the acceleration of that exact process. It's taking it, your, your player is of the quality, Andrew. And, you know, you can say what you want. The best players get a little more freedom than the other players do. They, you know, because they've earned it through their skill level and their production. And that's what Pierre-Luc Dubois is. And I think that it's even more emphasized with the type of player that Matthew Kachuk was going to Florida and how he was able to change the fabric of that team. And, you know, if you were going to have the common statement out there, where's our Matthew Kachuk? Some teams might feel like that's Pierre-Luc Dubois and the price is willing to be paid for. And think of the price, you know, you can say what you want, but that is still going to be a good trade for Calgary, you know, moving forward. Yes, Matthew Kachuk did what he did in Florida. It was magnificent. But, you know, if the young player they got in that deal, Cole Schwent, turns out, Jonathan Huberto is going to find his game again. And, and you know, Mackenzie Weger is a top, solid top four defenseman. So you extract the price from Florida. It just worked out so well for Florida. Now, what if... Florida doesn't make the playoffs. Are we having the same conversation and we don't see the magnitude of Matthew Kachuk in the playoffs and what he did? No, you know? And so I think that's the type of deal you're thinking when, when Bill Zito, you know, called, was he thinking he'd have to give up the number two score in the league and Jonathan Huberto? Probably not. Uh, well, we're spending a lot of time talking about Dubois right now, but Hellebuck certainly is going to be a, uh, a headline grabber, I think over the next little bit, Dave, um, you know, from your perspective, um, what is the value of Connor Hellebuck when it comes to a trade? And, you know, again, putting your GM's hat on, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, how do you maneuver this to make the best decision for your franchise, both in the short and the long term? Because, well, let's face it, if Connor Hellebuck's not on the Winnipeg Jets next year, you have a, <laughs> I mean, to say a hole doesn't even do it justice with how important he's been to the success that this team's had when uh, when they've been winning games. And as I've told you, I have every interest in keeping him, everything. But assuming that cannot be done, assuming the player says, look, you know, I've, I've had a really nice run here. Um, we haven't quite won. We've been to the conference finals and I want to move on. It's my personal life. It's my prerogative. I've earned unrestricted free agency at the end of next year. I will be moving on. Then you have to maximize the asset. And is it painful? Because I believe he is one of the large handful, maybe eight, maybe nine goalies that are true difference makers. And as much as, you know, you look and say, well, why can't you do what Vegas did and, you know, and, you know, and patchwork your goaltending together and, and have the players stand out like Aiden Hill did. But, you know, if, if I have my druthers and I have one of my positions that I'm paying for is to have a top eight, top seven goalie in the league, I want that. And, so you can't have that. You have to move on. You're going to have a market for it. You look at the at the teams that have had the biggest struggle in that, but are good. And but look each year at the end of the of the year and say we got a goaltender. So that's your first task is well, your first task is probably to answer the phone because it'll be ringing. But the next task is to figure out what the best dance partner is. And and then you then what is the value of that player if Connor Hellebuck is willing to sign an extension with the team that we're going through? And that's a big part of what we're talking about here, Andrew, is 
the willingness of the player that we're talking about, be it Pierre-Luc Dubois or a Mark Shifley or a Connor Hellbuck, to sign extensions where they're going, that truly maximizes the value you will get back because they're getting a long-term player. They're not getting a one-year option. So, um, you know, which team? Hard to say. I think there'd be teams that'd be willing to move on from their goalie if Connor were available for sure. No, there's no doubt about that. And just one more on this. I mean, uh, Dubois, obviously, and I would think Hellebuck probably may come with extensions for their new teams, and that's a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. Do you think the Shifley situation is maybe a little bit different? I mean, he's coming off a great season, goal scoring wise, down a little bit as far as points, but just everything that's happened here in Winnipeg. I mean, I think that there'll be takers for Mark Shifley, no doubt about that. But I have a feeling that his situation may be more come here to your new spot and fit in and you know earn that next contract. And that might be a great thing for wherever he lands because I think he'll have a very motivated player to make sure that at the end of next season, he's in a good spot to sign that new extension. But that may work both ways. It may work the way you just described, or it may work that we've always loved Mark Shifley. He's always played well against us. If we have a term to lock him up, Ahead of ahead of the year, we're willing to do that. So once again, this is about relationships. And it's it's always intriguing to me. And I used to tell young players that I played with this all the time. You have no idea who's watching you. You have no idea. You know, it's a Tuesday night. And I think when when we were when I was pretty young in the league, you know, Jersey wasn't a great barn to play in. It wasn't, you know, pre Mario, Pittsburgh was a pretty empty building and You'd go into it. There wouldn't be a lot of atmosphere. We were a really good team. We'd be thumping somebody. And, you know, I would always tell young players, do never take a shift off because you don't know that scout up there who's sitting alone in Section 243 because there's nobody else there. You don't know where he's going to be two years from now, four years from now, six years from now. You don't know if if a young scout is going to be a director of player personnel, is going to be an assistant GM, is going to have an impact on the GM. Uh, is going to be a GM himself. You just don't know that. Uh, you know, when you picture some of the guys and, I mean, you know, pick a young general manager. Um, you know, I mean, just think of uh, who would we pick? Pick up Billy Armstrong in in um, Arizona, who was a longtime scout in St. Louis. Well, did he see somebody five years ago that he really likes and that he's always tried to get? And it's back to my Murph conversation uh, with Bob Murray. You know, you don't know what kind of impact you're having. You don't know if you take a shift off in the third period, somebody might dismiss you and say, yeah, he doesn't play hard when the game's not in the line. Those guys are paid to have long memories, Dave. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, hey, listen, this has been awesome. We are so looking forward to next week should be a huge one for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll be in Nashville doing the shows all week. And then, Right after everything finishes up in Music City, it's free agency. Do you get the honor of uh, coming into the studio in the middle of the July 1st long weekend to uh, talk about free agents all day? First of all, why the hell is this on the 1st of July? Like, would it that's be on the 4th of July? I don't think that's so. That's a great question. The Americans don't want it on the 4th of July. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, great question. You know, uh, I'll be back. Like so, it's a little bit. I think we're done at five p.m. So we'll done. We'll do some hits afterwards, and probably walk out of the studio at six p.m. So I'll be I'll be home shortly after that and get to enjoy a little bit of the holiday. One of my favorite days of the year because of who I get to see from TSN on those days. I mean, you know, you take a guy like 
it was always Ray Ferraro, but it, Mike Johnson, like I never get to see Mike Johnson, never get to hang out with Mike Johnson because we have exactly the opposite schedules. You know, wherever I am, he's not, and wherever he is, I'm not. Um, so, you know, I enjoy the day. I know it's uh, it's not trade deadline either. You're not, if you're moving on the first, you're being moved because you're choosing to be a free agent. That to me is different from trade deadline when there's so much angst and anxiety. Um, good. Uh, here's a, a good July 1st story to leave you with. Um, we had divvied the teams up, the agents up, and I had Bill Zito. And that was a year that he had Billy Leno, who was coming off a big playoff from Philadelphia. And we had a couple of early conversations and got down here in the afternoon. And I said, so Billy, you know, we're going three years. That That's all we're going to do if, if, if we're going to make a move. And uh, so that'll have to work. And he started laughing. He goes, Dave, I'm fine with three years, but if you're going to match the money, it's going to have to be $9 million a year. And I said, I said, are you getting $27 million for Billy Leno? And he said, I'm getting $27 million for him. And sure enough, he did. And, and if you look at that, and unfortunately tying buyouts, um, I think he was bought out two years into that deal. So we were right on our terms, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun day for me to work, to get organized and to put my book together and to see, how teams are thinking, how much work's going to be done between now and July 1st to set the table for what we're talking about. I think there's going to be some major trades involved. I just think it's a time when both teams that went to the finals were teams willing to roll the dice and make major trades. And I think if you're going to be successful in today's game, you have to be willing to do that, Andrew. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. Hopefully we can catch up when the dust settles into July. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy your time out on the golf course and uh should be a great week. I know you'll have lots to talk about over on TSN. Thanks for doing this. Have fun in Nashville. All right. Great stuff with Pooley as always. Mike McIntyre coming up. Mike was in Regina covering the Bomber game for the Winnipeg Free Press. And also get to Mike's latest thoughts on everything happening uh, around the Jets uh, after uh, doing Bomber duty on the weekend. Um, hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on down to Vita Health Fresh Market with seven locations in Winnipeg, also featuring Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. Barbecue season's in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And with Father's Day just passed, men's health is top of mind. Check out Garden of Life formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to uh, support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market with local delivery options. You can order online at myvita.ca or pop down and see them at any one of the seven Winnipeg locations. Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists, serving residential and custo- uh, commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, They've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Hey gang, how's the uh, closet looking? If you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, head on over to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks. 
along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties. If you and the fellas need to look great for the big day, find out more down at F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. You can always make an appointment or find out more online at fapparel.com. And, uh, hey, it's going to be a crazy hot week uh, getting into it tomorrow. Make a plan to pop by with the family to the Nick and Nicky DQ. Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Northgate. Nothing better to beat the summer heat than a famous DQ Blizzard. New summer flavors are there, and while you're at it, grab a few boxes of those DQ ice cream treats for the freezer as well. Let's get Mike McIntyre in here to continue the program. Mike, a belated happy Father's Day to you. Hope you had a great day yesterday. I did. I uh, I actually spent the morning on the links with my 21 year old son Parker, and uh, you know I'm I'm well past the days huss of of beating my son on the golf course. I created a bit of a monster when I started taking him out to the course years ago, and I think we're probably in about year four or five now of him schooling me on the course. However, dear old dad came really close yesterday. Um, my son and a bunch of his friends, they were out at a concert on Saturday night and then, then they ended up going to the bar and then they crash at a friend's house and we had a nine or a 10 o'clock tee off time yesterday. My son informed me that he had gone to bed at six 30 yesterday morning. So he only beat me by three strokes. So I think the key to at least keeping it close is to, my, my son would have been nowhere near a hundred percent. But good on him for uh, getting up and making the tea time uh, on about two Power hours through, two hours of sleep, and the end result was a uh, a much closer match than we've had in the past. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny if you told me Trevor Harris was going to go for over four hundred yards and throw three touchdowns to the same guy, I would have thought maybe we had a close game, but uh, not really, Mike. That was uh, another <laughs> incredible performance, top to bottom, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean. Sure, they probably would have liked to give it up a little less defensively to Trevor Harris, but man, the offense looks good right now. Oh, it really does. And uh, I had a, a great seat uh, at the press box at Mosaic on Friday night. As we talked about last week, I got to uh, come off the bench and cover this one for the free press, made the, the drive out to Regina on Thursday and then came back Saturday. Um, great atmosphere, of course. Anytime the Bombers and the Rough Riders get together, fans are pretty jazzed. And as has been so often the case lately, Huss, the Bombers kind of crashed the party. Uh, it was a close game, though, until that electrifying Janarian Grant punt return in the third quarter that kind of broke a tight game open. But you're right. It, you know, how good are the Bombers right now in that if you talk to folks in Saskatchewan, there's a lot that they liked about their game. As you mentioned, their their quarterback goes off for over 400 yards uh, and they still lost by 18 points to a, a hated rival uh, in their home opener. Like that's that's how good the Bombers are. It feels like they're operating on another level. Um, you know, so many weapons, 87 points now in two weeks, and they don't even have Kenny Lawler yet in the lineup. Like, and you know, teams traditionally hus are supposed to be working off the rust in the first few weeks of the season. I guess that's one of the the benefits if you're the bombers to the the continuity, you know, keeping the gang together 
for the most part, like they have, these guys don't need a whole lot of time to kind of get back up to speed. And we're seeing it certainly with the offense. Uh, It's as dynamic as it gets. Uh, And, you know, it sets up a really interesting test this week against the BC Lions, who are also 2-0, coming off what is extremely rare in the CFL, Haas, and that is a (laughs) shutout. Uh, so you've got maybe the, the the most stingy defense against the most explosive offense. A battle of two and O's uh, sets up for a pretty juicy Thursday night matchup down at IG. Yeah, I I, I think I can safely say that those gaudy defensive numbers of the Lions are going to be taking a hit on uh, <laughs> on Thursday. And yeah, what can you say about the Elks? Chris Jones, he's going back with Taylor Cornelius. That's his guy. Good luck with that, Chris. At some point, uh, you're going to need to find a way to win a game at home. Um, and I'll tell you what, it could get ugly there. I mean, if they go out and stink it out again, yeah. it might be time for Trey Ford. As far as the Bombers go, let's talk about that punt return for a minute. Whew. I mean, what were people in the press box saying after the game? Because I, I hate to say, oh, that's the best thing I've ever seen and just kind of completely yeah. react. But honestly, the more I think about it, I mean, I guess there might be a Gizmo Williams return in the mix. But it has to be up there. It's one of the best we've ever seen in the CFL. Well, it wasn't just the 90 yards that he covered. I mean, if, if you add it up, he probably ran more like 150 yards if you include all the cutbacks and uh, leaps and hurdles and stiff arms. Um, you know, one thing, Huss, and again, I'm I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to covering the CFL. I, I, Jets are obviously my main beat. Uh, I was in that press box with a lot of seasoned veterans of the football beat. And I must say they were, they were puzzled that the bombers could challenge the penalty that Mike O'Shea challenged. Like that's not something you see a whole lot, an illegal block penalty that gets challenged by the penalized team. And then obviously overturned as it was. So for starters, there was some surprise that the bombers had that ability. Is that new? I, I don't believe so. I just think it never, it rarely comes up. Well, um, the reason I ask because there was someone that got screwed out of a million bucks on the Safeway score yeah. and win a couple of years ago on that second one that was called back. And I immediately thought, wait a second, you almost that? owe it. You almost owe it to that contestant to challenge just on principle if there's a million dollars on the line. But hey, O'Shea backed this guy. Yeah. And I, I don't blame them for doing that because. They had called the penalty on Nick Dembski, who was not on the field. <laughs> so I'm not sure maybe maybe that was the reason why I go, wait a second. Ten wasn't even on the play. Sure. This has to be restored. But you're right. It was unique. It was a great call. And justice did prevail because that would have been a damn shame if that one was uh, called off the board, especially for a phantom penalty on a guy that wasn't even on the play. Yeah, what might go down, I mean, I know we're only in week two, but it might end up being the CFL play of the year. And to have it called back, as you say, on a phantom penalty. By the way, I hate to pile on the officials. That was not a banner night for for the stripes. A few things, Huss. For one, there was two penalty flags tossed in that game that then got picked up. And after a huddle... Uh, the announcement was that actually there was no penalty on the play. I don't know if the flags fell out of their pockets <laughs> or they just had itchy trigger fingers. Uh, and then how about the Willie Jefferson illegal participation penalty? What a joke. I mean, did nobody wonder why he didn't have his helmet? 
How about the illegal hands to the face that took his helmet off in the first place? Uh, now, I mean, ultimately, that didn't end up having anything, you know, to do with the outcome, thank goodness. And obviously, the Janarian grant penalty, I mean, if not for the successful challenge, that could have been a massive turning point. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to see what the report card for those game officials looked like after uh, after Friday night, because it wasn't a great night, but it was a great night for the Bombers. Uh, and yeah, in Saskatchewan, uh, there was... There was a buzz in the press box and certainly in the stadium. I think people realized they'd they'd witnessed something really special. And I must say, Haas, again, have, having not covered the Bombers all that closely, being down outside the room after the game, talking to Janarian Grant, who, of course, didn't have his equipment on at that point, he is not a big man at all. Like, I, I, I'm taller than Janarian Grant, um, he's a very slight individual, and it is incredible when you see him up close. And Mike O'Shea said the same thing. When you see, you know, how small in stature he is, but obviously how big of a game breaker, how big of a playmaker he is, it, it, it's even more impressive that he's out there dodging, you know, these bigger, stronger athletes and, and doing it, you know, making it look easy, making them look silly. Uh, he's a pretty special athlete, and Bombers fans are obviously lucky to to have him. Well, and he was feeling it too, as was Buck Pierce. I thought Buck called a great game offensively, and uh, you know, after that play, a little later on, I believe you just saw the uh, you know just a quick uh, end run shoot to a Grant, and I mean, you get the ball in that guy's hands in open space. Not easy to tackle. First of all, he's not even easy to locate, and um, you know, it was another great play by then. Overall, uh, an offensive performance exactly as you'd hope right now. You mentioned no Kenny Lawler at this point. No problem right now. Um, what about defense? I mean, listen, I really didn't have an issue with the defense. I thought Trevor Harris played really well. He did. They did what they could do. Uh, but what was the uh, what was the reaction from uh, Ocean, the coaching staff, as well as some of the players on how the defense fared in that game? Well, I think it speaks to the high bar that's been set. And there was a lot of unhappy players. Mike O'Shea said that there's <laughs> going to be a lot of guys, you know, PO'd at how that game went because they don't like giving up points. They don't like getting scored on. I'm with you, Huss. I thought, like, sure, you can, you know, find maybe a play here or a play there where the Bombers maybe lost some coverage. I thought a lot of what what Saskatchewan did through the air – there was some dynamic catches by Rough Rider receivers as well. Um, and as you say, Trevor Harris was, you know, was was really, really good. Sometimes you have to tip your cap to what the other guys are doing. But, you know, obviously last week, you know, the final score flattered the Tiger Cats. And at the end of the night, it was a pretty big number that the Bombers gave up. Some of that was self-inflicted with with some poor ball management in the fourth quarter that led to a couple majors. So I think if you're the defense, they're certainly unlike maybe the offense where they probably feel like, hey, this is going about as as good as it can. No doubt there is room for improvement on the other side of the ball. And, you know, again, that's a, that that's a testament to just what this group has has done and how good they are that uh, they can be two and oh and looking completely dominant and still find things to pick apart. Uh, so as you say, it, uh, it it does set up a really interesting week three matchup against what looks to be a pretty good BC Lions team. If the Bombers can 
kind of repeat what they've done in these first two weeks and make what might be another good opponent look kind of silly, uh, there may be no stopping the 2023 Blue Bombers at this point. Yeah, I see Dark Moon mentioning Johnny Augustine getting into the game. Brady Oliveira did leave that game in the fourth quarter. He was limited in practice today, but he was out there. Yeah. But I thought it was a good opportunity for Johnny to show that, hey, don't forget about me here. I mean, he's a guy that's historically had a really nice yards per carry average. Now, you could maybe debate that some of that time was, you know, garbage time or fourth quarter, but... You know, it's all hands on deck at some point if you want to win a championship, and he sure. is going to be needed. And, you know, so far, so good for uh, for the Blue Bomber offense and really top to bottom. And you mentioned a pretty juicy matchup against the BC Lions, 2-2-0 teams on Thursday night here in Winnipeg. We're going to get a chance to see Vernon Adams Jr. Mm-hmm. Question we were having in, with people in chat, uh, Mike, it's very clear that Zach Caleros is the bar right now for quarterback play. Who's number two, and how big is that gap between one and two right now in the CFL? Well, did we just see number two last week? I mean, Trevor, ha- good. Trevor Harris would would make a pretty compelling argument. And you're right, Huss. Like the CFL, they need a bunch of guys to to step up, and you know, quarterbacks sell tickets, right? That that it's a just like any sports league. You're only as strong as your best players and your biggest stars. There's not a ton of star power these days at the quarterback position in the CFL. Um, So it would be nice to see some guys, you know, pardon the pun, but take the ball and I'd say run with it, I guess, throw with it if you're talking about quarterbacks. Um, So for sure, there's a debate about, you know, after Zach Caleros, the two-time reigning MOP, who's who's certainly on track early in this year for a three-peat in that department. Um, And so, you know, Vernon Adams, Trevor Harris. Um, I'm sure there's a, a lot of teams out there that hope that they have a guy that can challenge a, a Zach Caleros for maybe the the, the best in the league. Because right now it, it is a little thin at that position. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it'll be fun to watch him up close on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, Trevor Harris, who, by the way, was a major question mark. Like they didn't even know he was going to play uh, and then he took the warm up the other day and, and looked pretty good. But for a guy that was banged up to go for over 400 yards, like that was a that was a statement performance by Harris. Obviously, um, the, the the team came up short, well short. But um, there was certainly a lot to like about what Harris did. And if you're a Rough Riders fan. Um, you know, something to build on for sure. Yeah, listen, you don't like to get your ass kicked again by the Bombers. However, you look at your new quarterback, um, you know, coming in, banged up and putting up four bills on, on the best team in the league. Uh, you know, I think there is something to be uh, to be optimistic about, at least for uh, from this start for the Riders. Um, Mike, uh, by the way, we will talk a lot more Bombers. It's a short week, Thursday night game. Hamilton's going to come on tomorrow. Maybe we'll hook up with Bombing as well. And I do think Bombing is going to be doing his show with Walby, the pregame, right after WST on Wednesday. I believe he tweeted that out a little later on, so we'll look forward to that. Just before we uh, get to the Jets talk, all of our Bomber reports brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold, and the host of the Princess Auto tailgate party. If you're going to the game on Thursday, Get there early, 350 popping hot dogs in uh, the Princess Auto tailgate zone beforehand. $5 beers as well. DJ Finesse will be spinning. Certainly the place to be before the game. It looks like it's going to be a hot and nice outside. 
get there early and enjoy everything Princess Auto and the Bombers have for you in that tailgate zone before the game. And, of course, you can pop by and see Princess Auto at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Also going to give a shout-out to our friends over at Consolidated Supply, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts, both new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, and, of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see Consolidated Supply at their new showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. And speaking of the Bombers, if you do need an upgrade in your bomber gear, get on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Another massive tent sale, a couple thousand pairs of shoes at 25 bucks on the weekend. Great event. Uh, but, man, do they have great bomber stuff. Tons of new exclusive bomber gear that you won't find anywhere else. Hats, shirts, shorts, hoodies, jackets, you name it, they've got it. Get ready and get your blue and gold on for Thursday. Down at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina. All right, Mike, uh, let's get to the Winnipeg Jets. And <laughs> we had some fun earlier today. We were talking briefly about the Formula One in Montreal. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how many times you had that picture from the boat of Cole Caulfield tweeting out that he was there. And there's Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, I sort of said, wake me up when it's a boat with Kevin Chevaldeoff and Jeff Gordon. Um, but it was a pretty interesting week last week, uh, especially with the reports uh, from Elliot Friedman, among others, that the LA Kings are looking at taking a big swing at Pierre-Luc Dubois. Let's, uh, let's get to the Dubois situation right now. So much of the talk for the last year plus has been about Montreal where are you at on other suitors for the Winnipeg Jets and the potential of Pat Brisson brokering a deal that's not to Montreal? By the way, I saw Remus just posted that picture. I, I don't know who some of the other guys that was Anze Kopitar on that boat too. <laughs> no, Trevor Zegris, Jack oh. Hughes. Oh, he's going to Anaheim. Yeah. He's going to New Jersey. <laughs> you know, people get a little excited about those sure. things, but Hey, it's the silly season right now, right? It is the silly season. Um, Kevin Chevaldeoff, just like that boat, is trying to keep the Winnipeg Jets afloat. And, uh, you know, the, the clock is ticking. What are we, nine days now from the draft? Um, July 1st, also just around the corner, like that 12 days from now. Um, you know, tick-tock. And certainly the Kings discussion is interesting. Um, call me a cynic. Uh, but there is still a part of me that wonders if that's a bit of a smokescreen by the Dubois camp. Again, don't don't forget, folks, Pierre-Luc Dubois and his agent are in control here. Uh, the, the Jets likely, I mean, they could trade his, him anywhere, but they're probably only trading him to a team that he's going to sign long term with. And a lot of folks, of course, believe that that team is Montreal, that he has his heart set on on signing with them. If he really is open to a team like the LA Kings, that's very good news for the Jets because whether he goes to LA or Montreal is so desperate to get him that they then up their price because they suddenly have a, a, a realistic chance of losing out, um, That that's a good thing for the Jets. Um but 
you know, I, I'm still a little skeptical that it's not Montreal or bust, um, but we'll see how this plays out. Now, uh, for the Jets, if you are looking at trading Pierre-Luc Dubois, I know a lot of folks look at the draft next Wednesday and think, you know, that's maybe where that deal goes down. The more I've thought about it, Huss, if you're going to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois and it's part of a sign-and-trade where, you know, you're going to get that eighth year, which the Jets can can do by signing them and then you trade them. Um, if, if it's a deal like that, I just don't see that happening on the draft floor. That's a pretty complex deal that you're not making last minute. And with all the other things going on on the draft floor as you're preparing to make your, your first round pick, I just think if if it's a deal like that, it's going to happen before the draft. Now, I guess it could happen the morning of or the night before. But I just think if we're looking at timelines here, um, the draft isn't necessarily the end game. I, I think it's probably before the draft. Uh, and so, again, that really means the clock is ticking here. On, uh, on when we may see some action, you know, maybe it's this week, in fact. Well, it's it, it, funny you say that. I, I would not be surprised because of the situation the Jets are in that a deal is done at some point in the next few days but is not announced and doesn't come out until a day or so forth. Because here's the thing with Chevy's position. we're not He's not just moving one guy. Right. He's got well, so many moving pieces. And I think what is happening right now is the priority is Dubois. And they circle in. There's a number of things that happen. Paperson's very much a part of it. But let's just say the L.A. thing is the uh, is where he's going to end up. And they figure out the contract, and it's pretty much set. And he knows that he's getting back whatever. Let's just call it, for lack of a better, Quinton Byfield and maybe some other piece or something like that. That's what's coming back. Right. I think at that point, knowing what the return for Dubois is, that then helps him with some of the ask or figuring out what might be coming back in a potential Hellebuck deal. Because here's the thing. Yeah, do you want a goaltender? Can you get one in free agency? Probably. But if you are looking for a particular piece of a goaltender coming back, you could get that coming out of a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, for instance. And then that changes it. So I think figuring out what the Dubois return is first. And I'm not necessarily saying jumping ahead and announcing that because I think that might be something Chevy might want to keep close to his vest when dealing with a couple of these other ones. And that's before we even get to Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, or any of the defensemen on the unit that you know could potentially find themselves elsewhere as well because of a numbers game on the blue line. I don't disagree at all. And that's where the July 1st date is so interesting because, of course, this year, the the free agency is so close to the draft. Like, I don't remember a year where there's only been two days between the end of the draft and the start of free agency. And, and for people wondering, well, why is that the case this year? The NHL is finally getting back to its regular schedule. This will be the final catch-up. Uh, and, and all of it is pandemic-related. Like, the NHL fell so far behind because of the bubble season in 2020, because of the late start in 2021 and, and every, you know, everything has had a domino effect. They're finally getting back on track. This will be the first year that free agency is back to July one since the pandemic. 
And by the way, it's a complete joke that it's on July 1st to begin with. You think they're doing it on July 4th in the United States? (laughs) Absolutely not. And it's far, it's a far bigger deal here in Canada than it is in the United States. And you got all these guys coming in the Saturday of the July long weekend on Canada day to work all day. I mean, it's so stupid. Most hockey fans, if there's a one day of the year that they're probably tied up doing other things, it's probably that day. Why they don't figure out and just, hey, from going forward, it's on the 6th. Or frankly, right. figure out when the 4th and when the 1st are and work it around it in that first week of July every year. But don't, I don't know, that's a total pet peeve of mine, Mike. And it, it just seems so disrespectful to Canadian hockey fans who are, in a lot of ways, paying a majority of the freight in a lot of ways. Yeah, and you wonder if, like, <laughs> Sportsnet, the the Canadian rights hole, like, how happy are they that they their big day is on a Saturday of the July long weekend, like, when viewership's probably not going to be nearly what it would be if it was, uh, like you say, July 6th and a Wednesday or something. Um, but getting back to why that's an important date for the Jets and, and your point about all these other potential moves, by July 1st, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, you better know what holes you have in your lineup that need to be filled. And, oh, you also have to know what kind of money do you have to spend Um, if you've moved guys out and if you haven't, you know, so Blake Wheeler, for example, do you have 8 million committed to Blake Wheeler this year? Is it something less because you've moved them or you've bought them out? You need to have those answers by July 1. And so there is so much to get figured out between now and a week from Saturday and the important matter of the draft, uh, you know, which is going to happen over two days and replenishing the the prospect pool here in Winnipeg. Uh, I don't disagree with your original point, which is that, that one move could lead to another, to another. And so we may almost see rather than it announced ahead of time, um, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff, gets all his ducks in a row or as many as possible. And then we hear kind of how it all plays out. But uh, there's no question the to-do list is just enormous right now. And uh, these are very important pressure packed days coming up for the organization. Mike, what's your sense of Blake Wheeler's situation in future uh, or lack thereof here in Winnipeg? Well, Huss, I mean, if you, and I think you did ask me when the season ended, I I was convinced Blake Wheeler was done in Winnipeg. I was convinced he'd played his last game. And one way or the other, whether it was a buyout or a trade, uh, we weren't going to see him in a Jets jersey again. I'm not saying that that still won't happen. I I think I've gone from maybe 95% certainty that Blake Wheeler's finished to more like 50-50. And part of that is, what keeps happening with Blake Wheeler in this organization? They nominated him for the King Clancy. They they had him this past weekend out with, with, uh, with fans as part of a promotion to go fishing. He's playing in the Manitoba Open as the team representative in August. And, oh, you probably saw last week they announced a new contest for next season with Blake Wheeler. It's like spend a game day with Blake Wheeler of all the players that you could have as part of that promotion, the fact that it's Blake Wheeler and sure players subject to change is probably written in the fine print somewhere. But if the jets are really moving on from Blake Wheeler, they have a really funny way of, of sending out the signal that that is happening. They look like an organization that 
I mean, is absolutely embracing Blake Wheeler and all that he's done. I don't know, Huss, maybe a three-year extension, extension is just around just the corner. Say, yeah, you want some drama on July 1st? Though Jets are re-signing Blake. I'm needless to say, I don't expect that. And I do understand how difficult it is to move off from him just because of his salary and where he's at. Some will tell you that there should be a market out there for a guy that can maybe get you 50 points on a $4.5 million salary if the Winnipeg Jets can eat that. The other possibility is a buyout, which costs a little bit more, spreads the cap hit over the two. And listen, if the team wants to do right by Blake for everything that he's done here in Winnipeg, which I can totally understand, I mean, maybe doing it that way and allowing him to go wherever he likes at potentially a lesser spot to give him a better chance to win might be in the cards as well. It is a little curious, though, considering everything that we've heard, even to the extent that Darren Drager, who's got a pretty good line into Chevy's office, suggesting that he's hearing rumors of a buyout last week. I'd never heard Drager mention that before at any point talking yeah. about Blake, and that did catch my attention. But at the same time, it does fly in the face of some of the other things that we're seeing. And, I mean, it can't be understated the fact that I think this organization does not well, would prefer not to be paying guys big money no. to apply their trade elsewhere, regardless of whether it's a buyout or taking in a big amount of salary. I'll say this, um, you know, for any complaints one might have about True North and the Jets organization, I, I, I think without, a, without question, uh, this is a classy organization that treats people the right way. And it's part of the MO that they have. Sometimes you could say to a detriment that they're too loyal, um, you know, but they look at the way even Blake Wheeler, you have a thought, Huss, I see it. Yeah, yeah. well, basically, what do you think the Vegas Golden Knights would do? Oh, well, I mean, they, I wrote last week, Huss, the Vegas Golden Knights, they operate like the mob. They are just cold, calculated, um, at times, you know cruel. that saying, it's a business? It is a business. It is. So they run their shop like a, like the mob. <laughs> and I wrote in the same piece that the Jets run their shop sometimes like a mom and pop uh, operation. Um, and, you know, look where that cold, ruthless approach has gotten the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they had a parade the other night uh, and all, uh, quite quite the scene in on the Vegas Strip. But back to the Jets, I mean... If they're going to buy Blake Wheeler out, I have no question that they will do it in uh, in a classy way. And we saw it even when Blake Wheeler had the captaincy removed. You know, at least publicly, everything that got said from Blake Wheeler to Rick Bonus on down to Kevin Shoveldayoff, everybody handled that with, with class. So I'm not saying that it, it can't happen. And even all these other things going on with Blake Wheeler, even if they were to buy him out, I think it shows they still extremely uh, loyal and proud of what Blake Wheeler has meant to this organization. And that's not going to change if they buy him out. Um, I, I suspect they would delicately stick handle around the situation. So it may happen. I think they, the, the clock on that is ticking. Well, yeah, as let's well. talk about that time. What, that has to be done before the 30th. Is 30th. that correct? Yeah. So, so they, they have until uh, next Friday. And basically um, those two, I mean, up until the draft. And I would imagine I mean, you've got some options. If they are trying to trade Blake Wheeler and maybe there's a pick involved one way or the other, I mean, it could frankly be a sweetener. I, like, yeah. Let's not ignore that possibility. That probably happens in and around or before the draft. 
if that doesn't happen and they are seriously considering a buyout, that buyout has to happen before the 30th because sure. I know there's a secondary buyout window later on. I think only, listen, if, they, only if there's arbitration, arbitration involved. involved. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, you know, if they want to do right by Blake and they are not able to trade him and, you know, you're actually going over the buyout, um, you know, he's got to be able to see what's out there on the 1st of July. And um, that's the way. So, I mean, I, I guess if we're having this conversation on the 1st of July and Blake oh. Wheeler's still a member of the Winnipeg Jets, I'll have to figure that out. And uh, that's another thing that would be for Rick Bonus to figure out how he's going to navigate those waters. And I would suggest the exact same thing goes for Mark Shifley. Shifley's in a very different situation as far as what his value as an asset is around the league. Uh, and I certainly think that there's an interest in from Mark's side of things on maybe going somewhere else. Um, but if he's back in camp, especially if both of those guys are back in camp, um, everything that we've been talking about and certainly talked quite a bit about at the end of the year is still an issue. And uh, I'm not sure that's a great thing for Rick Bonus to have to come back to, to be perfectly honest. No, and, you know, with Mark Shifley, again, the more I think about Shifley's situation, I wonder if he's going to get dealt with last year. You know, I think we all expect there's a good chance Connor Hellebuck is going to get moved here in the in the not-too-distant future and certainly before the season. Mark Shifley, though, it's interesting. You wonder if they almost take the Andrew Kopp approach with Mark Shifley, where maybe they start the year with him and maybe they take it to the trade deadline. The Jets made out pretty well with the Andrew Kopp deal and what they got back. And unlike Pierre-Luc Dubois, we've certainly not heard anything to suggest that Mark Shifley has his sights set on, on one specific team. Um, you know, Mark Shifley may simply be open to the highest bidder and the best opportunity. And so Mark Shifley as a rental may be extremely valuable to a, a legitimate contender next spring um, because Mark Shifley, you know, maybe that team feels that they can then resign him. Um, and even if they don't, it may be worth the the big swing. So, what, I, I, what about the opportunity cost of having him back in that dressing room? That guy drove Rick Bonus freaking crazy last year. I mean, let's let's be straight about this. Um, so I wonder if if what would what would Mark Shifley what would it look like if you had Mark Shifley back, but not Blake Wheeler, and not Pierre Luc Dubois? Do you get a different Mark Shifley? I don't know the answer to that. I can speculate. I wouldn't I'll, bet on it. And I certainly wouldn't trust a big part of the atmosphere around your team on all of a sudden a big change. I mean, at a certain point, you've had a guy here for as long as you've seen what's happened over these last number of years. I think you know what you're dealing with. And 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 I'm sure if I'm Rick Bonus, I'm not expecting a guy to come back with a completely different attitude or buy-in to what he's doing than what he saw in the last couple months of that season. Yeah, what's the old saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I mean, what about you wonder... fool me three times or four times? What's <laughs> right. what do we say on that? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I and look, there's probably a very good chance Mark Shifley gets moved this summer as well. I just don't know. I don't think there's the same urgency to deal with Shifley that there maybe is with Dubois and Hellebuck. I, I agree and Wheeler. with you. But I mean, this part, this is kind of what speaks to the fact that there's so many things on the list for Kevin Sheveldayoff. Trades are made around the around the draft. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at the timing of transactions, I mean, not a lot of players like Mark Scheifler are getting moved in August or early no. September because the caps it like it's almost it's either now or 
You're right. deadline or potentially a little bit earlier, depending on what happens with an injury around the league of a cup being a player being able to handle it. I mean, to me, again, if, if you're going to do it, it's it's all about that ripping the Band-Aid off, if you will. I mean, th the next 12 days is the time to rip the Band-Aid off if they're going to do it. And if not, then Rick Bonus is going to have to handle it, and you're going to basically be dealing with a lot of the same things I think you've done in the past that most people would agree would be good to move on from. And you're right. I mean, if you're the Jets and Mark Scheifele is now your number one center, without a doubt, because Pierre-Luc Dubois has been moved, are, are you trading your number one center in August to a team that is going to have to scramble just to get him, you know, on their on their cap, and then how are the Jets suddenly filling that enormous hole? Are they filling it with the return? Because it's way too late to do anything in free agency at that point. That ship has long sailed. So you're right. I mean, ideally, if you're the Jets, your team by July second or so, you know exactly now what you have for next season and maybe even beyond. And that's why this next 10 days has the potential to be historically dizzying for this organization. Like just the moves may start coming absolute rapid fire. By the way, we mentioned arbitration. I want to just point out one other thing, Huss, since you and I last talked a week ago. It's interesting that the Jets did not elect for... I was going to ask you yeah. about that. Um, well, so that why, do you, why do you think? that Think that they're just close enough to a deal that they exactly. it was unnecessary? So again, for people who aren't sure why that's relevant, if the Jets had elected for um, team-elected team arbitration, that closes off the offer sheet potential. And we've talked about an offer sheet where, say, a team like Montreal can absolutely screw the Jets if it got to that point where they could offer Pierre-Luc Dubois an offer sheet, he signs it for one year. The, and the Jets then either have to take the compensation and depending on the amount it was for, there's a scenario where the Jets would get just a first and third round draft pick, which isn't even in this year's draft, um, back for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if he wants to go to Montreal it then opened the door for him in a year to sign his long-term extension there. And where the Jets get screwed, if they match that offer, they can't trade him for the duration of that year. So it just walks him right into UFA status. So either they have to take the compensation, which isn't much, or they lose him for absolutely nothing in a year. But the fact the Jets didn't elect tells me they're not worried about that because they obviously plan to have it resolved before it gets to the stage where Montreal or any team could offer sheet. Let me ask you this uh, though. I, and it did strike me as strange. I mean, I guess that could be the case. What is the benefit of doing that though? Like, is that, is that a goodwill gesture that somehow gets <laughs> yeah. you something else? I mean, like what if things go sideways over this next little bit, where does that leave them? Like I, I, I do wonder what the benefit of them not doing. That was the first damn thing yeah. Brad Treleving did last year when he found out what was up right. with Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's an element of goodwill there, but uh, it, you're, you're right. It's not without risk. What if what if the market just dries up uh, because the Jets' asking price is too steep? And what if L.A. or whoever happened, you know, says, actually, we're out. Uh, we're going to look elsewhere. Maybe they've gotten assurance from Brisson that that won't be the case. Um, that he wouldn't and, sign an offer sheet. Yeah. I uh, mean, you know, like they, they've committed to that. Like yeah. there's a two way street. Hey, we're going to help this it out. It takes two to tango for sure. 
uh, an offer sheet has to be accepted by the player. So you're right. Paprasan has been around a long time. He's a respected agent. Uh, so maybe there's already some behind-the-scene agreement. Because if there wasn't, as you say, why why not at least cover your rear end? You know, And again, just, just because you elect doesn't mean it's going to happen. But at least that would have cut that possibility off. Now it still exists. And I mean, if it did get to that point, my goodness, the amount of second guessing uh, that's going to happen and the amount of questions to come Kevin Shoveldale's way will uh, will increase big time. Yeah, no doubt. And listen, I know people are taking shots in the chat at Chevy saying he's napping and he's at the lake. I can assure you that is the it is the exact opposite of that right now. I don't imagine sure. he's sleeping much at all <laughs> these days. How could he? There is so much so much to kind of worry about. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the old cliche that people have. Uh, the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets is probably not sleeping very well at all these days. And and he probably won't have a good rest for at least the next couple weeks. <laughs> no, that uh, that is for sure. And you know what's funny, Mike? For obvious reasons, we're focusing on Dubois, Hellebuck, Shifley, Wheeler, I'm not sure there's not potential for a significant move in and around the blue line as we get closer to the sure. week in Nashville before the 1st of July. Um, and I do think there'd be some defenders on the Winnipeg Jets that would have some interest. And there's a number of guys with sort of one year left on their deals as well. Um, and then we haven't even talked about a guy like Nito Niederreiter, who all, all of a sudden is the poster boy because he said a couple nice things about Winnipeg, <laughs> and now he's the guy you see on all the ads for season tickets. I mean, yeah, it, it's easy <laughs> to focus on the big pieces here, but there's a lot of other moving parts that we haven't even had time to get to that I think are very much in play as well. Well, don't forget the end goal of the Jets has got to be to get better. I mean, they're not trying to get worse this year right? They're trying to get better and they weren't good enough last year. And, you know, they've got a lot of, of decisions to make. And as mentioned, they got guys like Billy Hanela and Declan Chisholm who are going to need waivers next, next fall to be sent to the Manitoba Moose. And do they want another Johnny Kovacevic situation where they lose a good young drafted and developed defenseman for nothing? I don't think so. So how are those guys, how is there going to be room? Either those guys are moved in deals that maybe happen as, as enhancers or sweeteners, or other guys are moved to create room. And so you're right. I mean, again, talking about July 1 as, as an important date, if you're moving a defenseman, um, do you do it before July 1? Because, again, teams are, teams are going to want to know what they have by free agency, and I would think that includes the Jets. So uh, it, the, the potential for an even busier stretch here is increased when you look at the blue line and what might be a move or two that that not only do you want to make, but you might almost have to make. Yeah, and, and, oh, and one thing for folks that were with us on Friday was talking with Murat um, about, you know, the just the waiver situation next year. Shout out to Kenny who did clarify for me, he was watching the program, Billy Hainala is not waivers exempt next year. So he actually can be sent back to the Manitoba Moose. Declan gotcha. Chisholm, sure not the games played scenario yeah. with him. Declan but. Chisholm, not the case. But bottom line, Mike, 
we've already heard for the last couple of years that, you know, he's looking for an opportunity to play in the National Hockey League, and there's some element of uh, disgruntlement over the last couple of years. I mean, I don't know what it does to this team's relationship with their uh, with a young first-rounder if the same scenario happens again because there's no room next year. And listen, if they don't think he's good enough to play uh, and he's not doesn't have a future as a regular for the Winnipeg Jets at a certain point, maybe around the draft is a good time to move on from him too. I mean, as I say, it's just some other topics that we haven't spent a lot of time on that I feel are very much up in the air in addition to all the big moves that have been discussed at length. Yeah, I, I hope Kevin Chevaldeoff has more than one phone because uh, he's going to probably need it with the amount of times it's going to be ringing over the coming days. Um, for sure, it is. It I can't think Huss, since 2011 of of a more important stretch off season for this organization. Like this, just seems like. This is the crossroads. It I mean, really this is. is moving on from the 2.0 era to the 3.0 era, essentially, which to me is post Mark Shifley and post Blake Wheeler. And I wonder, and the question, you know, that I think is worth asking if you're in the organization, there's, I'm sure, a lot of fans. You talk about marketing that's going on to sell tickets. How, how many fans are waiting to see what this team looks like when the dust settles in a couple weeks from now? A lot before they decide whether they want to spend considerable hard-earned cash on investing in the product. And I think that they're not just at a crossroads, they're at a critical crossroads, not just for the on-ice product, but for the off-ice health of the organization. I think they need to they need to send a message to the fan base to kind of re-engage, re-energize, get that that passion that they were fueled by in those early years, they need to find it. And I, I'm curious to see if what happens in these next couple of weeks leaves fans passionate in a good way or perhaps in a not so good way. Well, it, it, Mike, you're, you're a hundred percent, right? I mean, this is as much a crossroads for the hockey, the uh, on ice hockey product, but you know, it's been discussed at length. I mean, they've got work to do significant work to do for the first time in a long time to win back some fans, to get some new ones, to get some butts in the seats, and to get to people to commit. And I really do believe there is a, a number of people that really want nothing more than to support the team as they've done in the past. But, I mean, there has been a lack of confidence in the direction of the team just with how long this has drawn, been drawn out. and. Yeah. Really, this dates back to things going south in the second half of 2019. And I think the, the listen, if the pandemic doesn't happen, we're not here right now. I think a lot of these moves happened before. But because sure. of the pandemic, the weird seasons, everything was so weird, it got kicked down the line. Well, now it's all coming to, uh, to a head right now. And you're right. I mean, even if on the ice, on paper, this team is not going to be as good as it maybe was last year, which is certainly a possibility as much as they'll tell you different. I think that if you make those significant moves, you make bold moves and you move on from some players and you get new blood in here, people will be there and people will be ready to go. But the one thing, I mean, this team began, there is an unlikable element of parts of the club that I think yes. rubs some people the wrong way. And uh, you don't want that. You don't want that in your home team. And I honestly think that's what it was. And it looked even more that way in the final interviews, as we heard the players, you know, 
basically complaining about Rick Bonus being too mean after they no-showed in a game with their playoffs on the line. I mean, to me, it is so important that they happen. And I'll tell you what, as, as much as you know, the hockey ops guys are doing their thing, I would, uh, I'd be willing to bet a pretty penny that the people in the marketing offices and the sales offices are as, uh, as dialed into all of this as uh, anyone in the chat right now hoping there are some big things done that can energize and excite Winnipeg fans um, for what's to come in the future. Yeah, you have to map out. This summer is about mapping out a future, about charting a course. Right now, and, and really for the last couple of years, it's felt like this team is just kind of floating around aimlessly. They need to chart the course. And what happens in these next couple of weeks should go a long way towards kind of setting that agenda of what's to come. And that's, you know, ultimately that's what they will be trying to sell, I'm sure, to the, this market. Um, but there's going to have to be some action, obviously, to trigger all that. And I do expect uh, it's not going to be long before we see the action start to really pick up around here to the point that it, quite frankly, could be dizzying uh, and almost hard to keep track of. Well, we're looking forward to being down there for what should be a crazy week. It'll all start next Monday. Mike, thanks very much for doing this. Have a great night, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week. When uh, Who knows by the time of our visit next week whether stuff's already happened or uh, we're sitting there watching the last few grains come out of the hourglass, the egg timer. Yeah, maybe we even have a, a pop-up emergency visit uh, during the week as well should some big news break. We'll uh, we'll see. We look forward to yeah. it. Thanks for doing this. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, We've got lots coming up uh, still to come. We do have to get to our picks for tonight. Back at Assiniboia Downs and some interesting draft numbers up at Coolbet for the uh, draft coming up. And hey, a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. We've got those great new events on Saturdays. If you missed it last Saturday, they'll be doing again coming up at Little Brown Brown Jug and Shorty's Pizza come teaming up to bring new food and new DJs to the little Brown jug patio every Saturday from noon until sunset with their new pop-up series. What's golden last week. It was Cubano sandwiches, vegan picadillo and Cuban corn salads and DJ ad hoc. Be another great lineup of food and music for next Saturday, beginning at noon down at little Brown jug and with the gold eyes back on Tuesday and with the Bombers back on Thursday, don't forget 1919 available at select locations in IG Field as Little Brown Jug's now a partner of the Bombers. And you can get Little Brown Jug at Craft Beer Corner. You can get Kansas 1919. And of course, our favorite generic lager also at the ballpark when things get going tomorrow. Speaking of the Gold Eyes, 30th anniversary season continues. They did get a win on the weekend, but lost this series after a 6-4 defeat yesterday to Kane County. And maybe that home cooking will help the team out. It was a real rough road trip for Winnipeg, but they've been much, much better at home this year. They open up a series tomorrow against the Lincoln Salt Dogs. 6.30 p.m. start. Goldeyes.com for uh, group tickets, tickets individual. And by the way, if you're thinking about a Sky Suite, they do have some individuals to rent. So you can get all that at Goldeyes.com. 
We'll uh, check in with Andrew Collier a little later on this week. Hopefully he's in a bit better of a mood after a few wins for the fish. But uh, season begin the uh, series begins tomorrow. We look like we got some more great weather for Gold Eyes baseball coming up this week. Um, hey, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the Jays and more tonight, head on over to Boston Pizza, Manitoba's best place to get together with friends for the big game. It's always your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Staying in tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And um, hey, just before we get to our uh, our picks today, uh, got to give a uh, shout-out to my pal Mo. Took me out on the water on the weekend. Did some fishing towards end of Maine. Um, and then right in and around Selkirk, caught a few drums, some bullheads. was a lot of fun. It was basically training to get out to Aikens Lake. Uh, if you're thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing spot in Winnipeg with world-class fishing and even better hospitality that you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more online at akinslake.ca or uh, you can... Uh, Fire a tweet over to our friend Pitt Duran at Aikens Lake on Twitter for more information about availability and rates. All right, let's get uh, Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, we got some cool bit lines to get to. And uh, back at the track tonight, a little busy weekend at the track with the uh, Red River X going on last night. Just found out one of my old favorites, Northern Pikes, played the main stage last night. I am sort of regret I missed that. Not that I would have missed the U.S. Open or Canada-USA soccer for the Northern Pikes, but uh, did make me throw a couple of their songs on later on last night. Yeah, wasn't it uh, Summer of Sound also this weekend? Yes, you that's weren't right. There wearing, you know, bright colors. You know, and with the, uh, do, do they still put the soothers in? Is there a lot of people wearing soothers? Uh, I don't know. Eating soothers and glow sticks? Is that what people are doing? Soothers? I could go for a good uh I just sour remember soothers? Back, back, like baby soothers. Oh, like the like one, ones that you would give your child. I have like a stack of them upstairs. Well, I didn't know. Could have could have made some money out of Summer of Sound. Oh, Maybe I that's not if, a fashion thing. Anymore. I thought you meant sour soothers, which I am all <laughs> in on. <laughs> you have been on. Uh, let's get to the cool bet lines here. Uh, really, just baseball right now. We got to wait until we we'll get to the CFL lines in a minute. Blue Jays are in action tonight uh, in Miami against the Marlins. Jays a minus one fifty four favorite. Marlins plus 136. Going to do the cool bet play of the day a little later on. Jays are so, it's so up and down. It's so hard to just kind of bet them. But I'll tell you what I think I am going to go for is Bo Bichette over one and a half total bases. Doubles in five straight games. One of the top hitters in the league. He is hot right now. Give me Bo over one and a half. At minus 115. We'll throw that out a little bit later on. Um, one other thing for you uh, draft Knicks. We've got a bunch of new odds out at Cool Bet for the NHL draft. And this is certainly something we're going to be playing uh, close attention to. Attention to. Um, but we've got over-under numbers on a number of these players. And the one that really stands out to me, gang, is this one for Zach Benson. Zach Benson, over or under... Eight and a half. Now, we have seen mock drafts that Zach goes 10th, 11th later on. I still think he's going to be a high pick. Heard Jeff Merrick talking about potentially him even going to San Jose at four. So plus 200 on under eight and a half, I think is going to be a play I make, which means he's got to go between one to eighth 
in the draft. That one is plus 200. Uh, Nate Danielson as well. Over uh, nine and a half at minus 182. Under nine and a half at plus 135. One to get on. But um, anyways, it's all there right now. You can bet on the second, third, fourth, and fifth overall picks. And um, we'll definitely get the Cool Bet Boys on before the picks go off the board for a little bit more on this. And uh, of course, it'll be something we'll be following closely as well. In addition to everything happening around the jets, when we're down in Nashville next week, uh, it's all there for you at cool bet travelers championship. Odds are up right now as well. And uh, just waiting for a little bit more clarity. I think on some players statuses before we get Canadian football odds for the upcoming week. But uh, NFL, hell, USFL futures are there coming on right now. It's all at Cool Bad, our partners, presenting our draft shows. Huge thanks to Pat and the gang for doing that. Keep uh, tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk all next week for your draft coverage. And get on over to Cool Bad if you want to look at the odds for the upcoming NHL draft. And, uh, oh, just before we get to the track, Remo, again, shout out to everyone that played with us in our uh, dra- uh, DraftKings contest oh, for won? the U.S. Open. And I was in the mix. I was in the mix the entire time, and then Ricky Ricky failed me. I did finish third, though. I did end up finishing third uh, with 410 points. Nicely done. Congratulations to me. Oh, my pal Evan had a nice team. He was at second at 429.50. And the MTM... The MTM took it with a, um, who did he have? He had Vic Hovland, who was 19th. He had Morikawa, who was 14th. Sungjae Im missed the cut. Then he had Ricky Fowler. He had Wyndham Clark, who won massive 110. And, uh, oh, Kashmir Keith Mitchell as well. By the way, I don't know if anyone saw Keith's look. The massive high-crowned visor and a couple of extra buttons undone on his shirt. It was an incredible look that only Kashmir Keith could pull off on the weekend. Um, so, hey, the MTM, MTM um, hit us up with uh, an email, Talk at gmail.com, and uh, I will uh, hook you up we'll, uh, with a little uh, extra bonus for your win from our friend Eric Johnson over at TaylorMade. As we're speaking of golf, all our golf reports brought to you by Breezy Bend. Looking forward to getting out there coming up this week, heading into our trip away. And if you want to find out more on uh, Breezy Bend's waiting list for next year to make it your long-term golfing home for you and your family, breezybend.ca, or give a call to our pal Corey Johnson over at the course. Uh, Remo, I always like Monday because, A, we've got tons of stuff to talk about coming out of the weekend, but also it means another opportunity to get back in the good graces of the horse racing gods i had a miserable week last week but uh i have a feeling or i'm hoping to grab a feeling a winning feeling this week beginning with our picks tonight me too i looked at a number of the horses racing tonight a couple of my picks are in there Huss. i'm feeling good about my selections too so you can't be the only one to feel good well, right now I, I i've got a lot of uh, work to do to catch up to you right now you've got a pretty nice lead on me although we still are early we're not even into july uh, but let's get to it seven races parade to post tonight 6 45 post time is 7 30 if you want to make arrangements to 
get out to Assiniboia Downs. Uh, you can make an arrangement or make a reservation in the dining room for the next few days. Certainly, the next couple of days will be nice to be in that air-conditioned dining room as opposed to the steamy temperatures we've got expected here in the city of Winnipeg. It's looking right now, 29 right now, tomorrow, 32 and um, 60% chance of thunderstorms uh, as well. Um, let's get to it. Where, uh, where are you starting with your picks tonight? Race one. You got it. When you see the horses with the, their name is like a sentence, but with no spaces, I'm doing an exacta here. Bite the bullet, bro. And guaranteed delivery. No spaces. I'm doing them exacta. A two-year-old exacta for four total. I have to finish one, two, any order. That's race one for me. Nicely done. I stayed away from race one. Coming up into race two, though, I'm going to bet just a straight win bet on horse number seven, Amma's Star. That's uh, what I'm cranking in for that one. What do you got for race two, if anything? Nothing in race two. All right, we move on to race three. And on race three, I have not made a show bet all year. And Neither I remember... Do I. Should I be doing that? I never. I've never do them. Yeah, I know. I'm, oh, it's nice to try to win, but I'm taking a longer odds. I think Crown Royal is the longest shot of this entire race, but I liked Crown Royal last year, and I'm going for a Crown Royal to show. So it's just got to be in the top three. See if that kind of helps me at all. You got anything on race three? I just like to floor it and only pick winners. Like, I guess you're pretty desperate. Hey, you got to pick a long shot yeah, to show. Basically, I'm trying to switch things up a little bit. I'm trying to. Can you right. win? Can I win money if I do like place? I never even considered it. I'm just like, let's. I just want to pick winners you only. You did a couple places last year, I remember. La- maybe I'm on this year, but um. Oh yeah, I like McCaig. I think McCaig is one of the first horses I won on, and you were telling me that McCaig is like a, a longer horse, and this is a shorter distance. I don't care. I like McCaig. It's like in fantasy uh, sports. Like I always pick the same guys every year. Tough matchup. I don't care. You got to play your stars. You got to. Yeah. You got to. You got to start your studs. <laughs> yeah. Start. Yeah. McCaig is mine. I. I could make the Michael Remus All Star team of like a Cinnaboya Downs. McCaig, for sure on there. And another horse that I like too is up next. So this is that's why I'm feeling good today. Do you got anything in race four? Uh, I do. I got a nice triactor box. Two, three, and six. Steel Home, Happy Camper, and Gallon Oak. This is just the chalk, the chalk uh, top three. The program so. selections? I'm going, yeah, I'm trying to take an easy win here. I don't know if nice. it's going to work, but that's. I've got, I've got triactor boxes in race six and seven. Okay. Um, but I do just have a $2 exacta in race number five, three, four. Um, Maybella. You love May Bella that's and uh, Tapature Way. So uh, that's I'm on, the. I got May Bella to win. Nicely done. And did I have a. I'm not sure whether it was a box or just a straight 3 4, but. Artisan we'll Dancer is good afterwards. too. That's a good one too. Um, race number six. Okay. I've got a tractor box for this one. I've got four Dazzling Mischief, five Diamond Digger, and eight. Tara Watt. I always sort of take two from the program selections, but like to get someone else. So uh, four, five, eight. It's a six dollar bet. The tractor wheel. You got anything on six? No, I'm I'm tapped out. I said all my picks. Oh no, 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 I said all my picks. So I'm good. 
All right. Well, and I got one more tractor box. I saved it for the end. Here we go with race number seven. Big race. Four, nine, and ten. Double-barreled elite. Nine is sparkling silver, and ten is Maria with Antonio Whitehall on it. So uh, there you go. Those are our picks tonight. Fade away. Uh, and if you're not going to head down, you can, uh, of course, play at hpibet.com like we do and uh, watch the guys do their thing. Kirk and Stretch with a full preview of the races at 645. And then, um, you know, they've got a little update before all the races as well. They do such a great job in keeping everybody uh, everybody in on uh, all the actions around the track and, um, you know, some of the beginners like us some more information on some horses they think might do well. So it's all there on YouTube. Um, Remo, before we go and call it a day, uh, do you have any more thoughts on the uh, the wild Bill Carlson speech oh, at the well, Vegas Golden Knights? I uh, have it. We're going to play it. First of all, we're going to play it. William Carlson is my new favorite player in the league. And actually, I enjoyed this tweet um, on from Tom Reed, who used to cover the Blue Jackets. Or is he with the Athletic? I used to be with the Athletic, and he, you know, used to cover the Jackets. And he said he tweeted out, "I covered William Carlson with with Columbus, and he was a pleasant, hardworking player who was habitually unquotable. So to see him go full blown, Frank the Tank with the mic in hand last night in Vegas was spectacular and." William, I, you know, we love talking about parades. That was our thing on the old station. Like, uh, we played Brad Marchand's black and yellow leading. You know, John Quick's speech was one of my favorite ones, but I read it, I watched it again. It's just like him saying, like, you, you effing guys over and over again, like this effing team. Like, that was nothing. Yeah, like, why does, like, do people, are they so shocked? Like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like, I said the F word a couple times. Yeah. Wow. When you say what it, an edgy, what an edgy pro hockey star. Yeah. Well, but that's not why William Carlson's was so good. I think you, first of all, he dumped on, well, we're going to play, he dumped on the Arizona Coyotes, pumped up himself, uh, was shirtless. Did a uh, hip thrusting, Hustler? You see the hip thrusting, <laughs> oh, yeah. and like oh. was could you know they tried to take the microphone away from him. He could barely stand up. It was it was absolutely incredible. So you know we can just play it and maybe we'll t- we'll talk. Anyway, and Shane Knighty was in this video too, trying to get him to wrap it <laughs> trying up. To give him the hook. Uh, just I, I was listening to a bit of Thirty Two Thoughts today, and I can't remember who Merrick was talking about, but they said uh, one of the guys that was in Anaheim. When he first got to the NHL, they did a little rookie thing where they had to go up and talk about themselves or whatever. And he goes and goes, hi, my name is William Carlson. They call me Wild Bill and I love to party. Yeah. And that was it. And they said everyone went nuts. And uh, apparently uh, it is confirmed. Wild Bill does love to party and they had a hell of a reason to party this weekend in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, you got to... And Elliot said this in 32 Thoughts. I kind of agree. Like, the Capitals took it to another bar. We didn't have anyone, like, going in a fountain, in the Bellagio Fountains. They didn't do that. But, I mean, the, the Saturday night down the strip party is dangerous, man. you got to be, I, you gotta I, be I careful. Will admit, I will admit, and 
And like, whatever. I mean, I, I, I'm here for it. And listen, if you win, go nuts. I don't know whether you need to drop an F-bomb every second word. But I couldn't help but think what it would be like if the Jets ever won the Cup. Well, who's going to be the William Carlson? Steelers? Well, I mean, would any? Well, hopefully someone would be. This is a very conservative, somewhat vanilla team for a lot of times. So I wonder whether they have that one in them. I'll tell you what, I won't care either way. If they actually can, at some point in my lifetime, get to the point where we've got a Stanley Cup celebration, I'll take whatever kind we can get. But uh, anyways, if you want to play this, Carlson, let's uh, let's yeah. do that on the way out for people that missed it. Okay. You guys can hear me? Yeah, you hear me? So, um, this guy, this effing guy. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I'll just pause it. So they they brought him up to introduce Jonathan Marcheseau. I think that's what happened here. And he <laughs> that's what was supposed to be the yeah. case. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't always go as planned. No, like look, look at this. Like how many guys a couple shirtless guys here after you know parade down the strip. So Riley. He was here. They won. Yeah. I know you have been here day fucking one. You guys are so amazing. We played Arizona in the first game and we beat the shit out of them. I will say, Huss, I don't know what it is about Vegas and the Coyotes, but Bruce Cassidy like had to apologize to the Coyotes already during the playoffs. There's already been one apology to Arizona for- throughout the Stanley Cup run, and who knows, there might be another one. And he, what he said, he was commenting on one of the games, like, this isn't a game against Arizona in January, so uh, Vegas, yet yeah, does not think highly of the Coyotes. That's okay. Because at year one, I was pretty fucking great. <laughs> but that was my favorite you part. guys were greater. And we've been up and down. Oh, yeah. So they cut his mic They're here. Cutting the they, mic here now? They've had enough. It's pretty clear. He's got. No, he doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know where he's going. He's just rambling incoherently. And I'm here oh, for it. Pete, but. This is like a George the Animal Steel interview in terms of tone and cadence. <laughs> the he's actually more coherent than you'd think, considering uh, how much he probably drank. But the hip thrusting after saying he oh, was yeah. what that was that was a, that was a borderline Rick Rude. <laughs> remembers ravishing Rick Rude and what he would do when he came into the ring. You know they didn't, they couldn't beep out the uh, the swear words, but they you know cropped out the hip thrusting. As you can't have hip thrusting while you're shirtless <laughs> on TV. Not not allowed. Okay, is this it? Is that it? No, 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 no. Sorry, I just want to put my comment. So this is when they they go to cut him off, and you're gonna hear uh, Shane Knighty and the poor uh, what communications person says. Okay, we've we've had enough here. 
seen somebody physically get the hook like that before. Mike turned off. Sheriff Shane Knighty encouraging it to be Marcia so time. And yes, that poor lady from the PR department that had to go in and physically wrangle her. It would be great to have an interview with her afterwards going, so give us your perspective on how that all went. Oh, that was the best speech. I'm like walking around going, you were here since day one and like I'm already envisioning the signs at games. Wild Bill, you were pretty fucking great in year one or something like that. Some I don't know what it is, but then after actually I started looking up the box score. I went on went on hockey reference and I pulled up I was like just tweeted, yeah, I'm actually just looking at the box score for the first ever Golden Knights home game. Against Arizona. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Here's the score. Look. Uh, did they beat the shit out of them? 5-2. Uh, 5-2. Five two. Five two. Was, I was expecting like 6 nothing. But That was when it all started. That was back when you get, get the Golden Knights every night at like as like a plus 275 underdog. Yeah. Well, entire season. All year long. Big underdogs. Th- win, win, win. Well, here it is. William Carlson. Zero points us. Yeah, but that's okay well. because in year one he was pretty great. Uh, he was he was definitely pretty great. He was pretty great. Here's his numbers <laughs> in year one: uh, forty three goals, thirty five points, thirty five assists, seventy eight points. He was pretty great. Yeah, monster season, absolutely monster season. Forty three bloody goals. Who saw that coming after six the year before with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Some uh, magic beans somewhere. Um, gang, great stuff today. Thanks for being with us. Uh, and uh, enjoying the program. Big week coming up, and then next week uh, it's all going down in Nashville starting on Monday, a week from today. We'll be broadcasting live from the NHL Draft presented by CoolBet. Looking forward to that. Um, Have a great night tonight. Jay's uh, playing. We'll see how they do. Tomorrow, though, much more on the Bombers getting ready for the British Columbia Lions on Thursday night. And, of course, the latest on what we're hearing from around the NHL on the Winnipeg Jets, Dubois, Hellebuck, Shifley, Wheeler, you name it. We'll have it for you right here on WST. Hammer joining us tomorrow as well. Looking forward to that as well as Brandon Rowicki. Have a great night. Thanks for being with us. Shout out and thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.